0: welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. my name is zachary i'm your host uh it is another week in gaming news and we've got a whole lot of stuff to talk about it seems like it's all being packed in uh in the past in the last few weeks before the end of the year 2016 is not letting us go quietly into the night Uh, so let's get right into our podcast but first we'd like to introduce our guests first up we've got josh torres it's almost turkey day. Almost turkey day. We've got a few more days. I can't wait to go to work and have a bunch of catering. That's my biggest thing um, right now. Who's catering? Um, yes, I need it because I moved out to California. Now I don't have the source of food that I used to. <laughs> like I, yeah, I but, but
1: who's are, are you like uh, getting like an outside company to cater for you guys or is it all internal or what?
0: Oh yeah, totally outside awesome. catering. Apparently, like I only started working at this new job about 6 weeks ago and they told me that they make so much food. There's always a ton of leftovers. <laughs> so, nice. awesome. Uh, as someone who loves Thanksgiving food quite a lot, um I'm looking forward to it. And then awesome. uh also introducing, we've got Adam Vitelli coming back, making a grand return. Thank you for showing up.
2: Grand grand return, yeah.
0: Yes, <laughs> of course. It's twice in a twice in a row. It's been a while since we had you twice in a row. So. Yeah. <laughs> And then finally, uh, we've got the brother of Adam showing up for our podcast, Brian Vitale. Hello, it's me. Oh my God,
1: it's double the Vitales.
0: Oh my gosh, oh we my don't God. need it's to more on difficult that. for me to pronounce you guys' last name. You shouldn't. You should have heard before when I was terribly mispronouncing your guys' last name. It's just Vital. That's all I have. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I was thinking, is it, has anyone like pronounced like did a terrible pronunciation of your name like consistently like Vital or Vitale or anything? Uh, I'm
3: not even consistent, so. <laughs>
1: I don't know how it's pronounced. Adam, is that is that the the actual pre- correct pronunciation? Well, Whatever. the
2: Italian pronunciation is Vitali, but the kind of American form is just Vitali or Vitali. You know, it's a little different.
1: So do you want us like do the 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 accent with it every time now? Like Vital. No. Okay. <laughs> no.
0: So, do you guys have any plans for Thanksgiving now that we brought up the subject though? We had Thanksgiving
2: kind of last month. We joined up with the Canadians because that's when we were we had family visiting so we kind of
0: decided to do it then we, we do canadian? it again oh no, okay you just mean in canada they had thanksgiving <laughs> i, I thought you like we, went we, to we canada had thanksgiving. and had things <laughs> so confused we had
2: thanksgiving at the end of october and we're like okay this is like canadian thanksgiving okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> but
1: will you do anything like for this upcoming thanksgiving no i'll enjoy a four-day weekend yeah. okay.
0: fair enough oh man i can't wait for that too that's really nice to be able to leave on a wednesday uh do you guys expect to buy anything during Black Friday as well?
3: Uh scoop online but not line up at any stores I doubt. I
0: want that $99 3DS but that's going to be very difficult I feel. Yeah, that's that's like a hell of a deal but then again like I typically buy my stuff used or refurbished and they tend to be around that price anyway. Uh like I bought my Vita when I got my Vita it was like $90 after a coupon uh instead of paying 160 so I was like yes I'll definitely grab that. Um, I actually... There's a couple different things that I was thinking about grabbing, but I don't know if I'll actually end up doing that. Uh, well, let's see, because we've got this post done up on our website um, where we where I listed all the deals that were coming up. Like, Dark Souls 3 is going to be 20 bucks. That's pretty it's nice. Pretty good and Bl- Bloodborne, which I'm actually leaning more towards just because it's it's not something I need to have a lot of Dark Souls knowledge to really appreciate. Uh, other than, you know, just from the creators, uh, that's only 15 bucks. I think it's been around that price before, maybe a little bit yeah. cheaper on Amazon. A friend yeah. of
1: mine actually jumped on, the, got a PS4 recently and uh, got and took advantage of the PS4 anniversary sale. I think that was on part of it. And uh, yeah. I've been watching him stream the game and uh, seeing, you know, his first time through it.
0: Yes. Yeah, sp- speaking of which, um, PlayStation, at least PlayStation UK, uh, put out a video today Announcing that they are gonna have a Black Friday PlayStation Network sale happening. It's a very cool and interesting video. Cool? I don't know about that. It's just a bunch of people looking very like distressed and throwing their faces around <laughs> Actually, and making oh. weird faces. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag uh, it's, so, they
2: kind of have the face if you like put it like a like a leaf blower and you're blowing in your face that's what it's like I don't know. yeah well, <laughs> just whipping their it cheeks it. across
0: <laughs> so that's the plan is that they're going to have a big black friday i mean it's the same thing as last year of course but uh, considering the amount of games that we now have i'm pretty interested in what they'll have listed there i hope it's a um, some more vita titles as well just because that those vita games at least especially vita rpgs you don't see a lot of sales on those uh for some reason like unless it's it like, like the, that made in japan sale or whatever
1: yeah it seems like the pc ports of them get more sales than totally. the actual vita I don't know. and Hopefully. then we've got
0: yeah the steam winter sales coming up uh and well actually it's usually around christmas is when it starts so uh, or like Maybe a week before Christmas is that when that starts. So now that all those games are being ported over uh, to the PC, uh, all the JRPGs that have come out, it's been something where you, everyone's waiting uh, for that eventual release instead of like buying it on a, on a console or handheld. They they just say, "Well, I'll just wait for the Steam release." <laughs> so it's like this. It's hard to beat
1: Steam thing. prices sometimes.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think that's why people need to like some manufacturers have to be more aggressive because like we were talking about like the nintendo switch a couple weeks ago and it made sense that there's a couple things that nintendo could really benefit from because nintendo definitely does sales uh but usually see those mostly on third-party games but also like you know physical copies i guess is the one that gets worse but digital sales you don't see a lot of first-party sales other than like maybe five ten bucks off what whereas like sony and microsoft tend to be more aggressive aggressive about that yeah, like, um, Nintendo
1: definitely holds their like first parties to like a very premium price. Like they, they, they like it's a very premium experience to them. So they can kind of, They want their like price to reflect that. So it's hard for them to ever fall down a price until like a, even two years after its release.
3: Is that yeah. why Super Mario Run is nine ninety nine or whatever yeah, premium price for a mobile that's, game?
0: That's the well that's the price i kind of expected that was going to be yeah. uh, other than free uh because they did release like say like that pokemon game they put out not long ago that was a free-to-play game i don't know if it did that well um but it's pokemon so probably did <laughs> so there's that i it makes me wonder because playstation of course has like the playstation plus program not only is it just free games but they also give you you know bigger discounts when games are on sale it makes me wonder if nintendo would ever have that type of program because you know they're still working out their membership because you know they they completely changed everything and had that my nintendo uh account service come about not long ago do Um, do any
3: of you know much about my nintendo because i'm pretty in the dark of it because all i see about it is that people gather up these coins that is some sort of currency but there's like nothing to use them on and they expire and the Nintendo fans that I follow or know just seem pretty disappointed in the yeah, whole just, thing so
1: it's, far. I feel like it's still very much a work in progress. Like, Nintendo still needs to figure that stuff out. And I hope they get, they, they when the Switch stream happens in January, that they'll actually go a little bit into that. It's like, hey, we need a, a, more of a clear of a roadmap about what do you plan to do with this new service.
0: That's the thing, because they didn't really make it seem like that was on January 12th when they were going to talk more about the Switch. It just, what they said, of course, was just that they're going to talk. Um, you know, future software lineup, price, and a uh, better look at the device itself. But they didn't really make any indication about like the services. But it makes me wonder if they're going to really, you know, trot that out because, you know, they need to concern themselves with their partners, just like Sony and Microsoft did when they had their own like big segments about, you know, guess what Netflix and YouTube are coming to the switch it's like mm-hmm. no shit yeah. although you know I'm kind of curious to see what type of uh you know gimmicks and things like that that they can come up with for that uh, type of device um uh, actually it's Netflix and that.
1: Hulu would be like a, a a great fit for that device because it's a, just the nature of it you know yeah but that's the same it's you can of, say about like, like the well,
0: Wii U though right like you can have it on your tablet
1: but I, I mean you can't you can't like transfer like the Wii like port as
0: portably as the switch though that's true yeah um and not to mention it's like it it seems like it's a lot faster like it immediately goes to your uh device instead did you like hear those recent rumors that that whole Nintendo switch might be because of like a retailer listing it might be 250 dollars I yeah I've, I've heard about that I think that's a
1: real damn good price if that's true oh absolutely I would I might actually like just Jump on that. R- remember, it, depending, on, still, depending on the like the launch games, but remember yes. when the 3ds came out, it
2: was originally two hundred and fifty dollars.
0: Yeah, the 3ds. <laughs> it's. I mean, to be fair, it, like it didn't, the... it didn't stay there very long. But no, no, for yeah. good reason. Uh, like was it like was it six or seven months afterwards? It that's when it dropped. Um, with all their ambassador programs, but mm-hmm. um, I think it makes more sense for that because the hardware that's inside, like it's using that Tegra processor, and that by itself is supposed to lower the costs like the hardware manufacturing costs and that's why like you find very cheap tablets using a tech processor um but we'll find out i guess it's not it seems like every time we talk about it, it's getting that much closer i mean well fact that's that's how time works but um it seems like only, it was only yesterday <laughs> when they announced that thing and then man there's it just seems like uh, yeah we've got like how long is that four five six seven eight weeks Weeks to find out what Nintendo has plans on what we want to do, what they want to do with that thing, and and you know we've got like these game of the year discussions coming up. It's Adam. I remember you brought up like Nintendo Switch might be the biggest surprise uh, of the year, but you know we're gonna not, have not that surprise, discussion. surprise.
2: But... Kind of our what do we look forward to? You know, it's not like it's not an individual game or anything like that. Maybe it can, it's a it's Switch, up there
0: for both, you know, in my opinion. It's <laughs> <fun>. <laughs> like it's the biggest surprise, and it's like part that the most anticipated but we'll find out um there are definitely a lot of other things that were announced this year that we can talk about but let's instead of that let's get right back into the podcast and let's focus on what we always like to kick off our podcast talking about the games that we've been playing so adam you're a part of the other than you and brian you seem to be the only two that actually played games uh this past week and so or at least ones that you want to talk about so talk to me about your continuing adventures in tokyo mirage sessions sharp effie
2: Well, actually, when we talked about this briefly last week, because um, Josh had played a bit of it, I actually yeah. hadn't played it yet. But I started it, and I've basically been playing it all week. That's right. Um, okay. But so, to kind of talk about maybe something different that we didn't talk about before, one thing that I am kind of surprised, and you know, and pleasantly surprised with, is how it mixes. And you know, this is not to be, not really that surprising, but it's uh, how it mixes the fire emblem like weapon triangle type. Uh, mechanics with the smt fusion and smt skill like acquisition and smt uh um Mm -hmm. like that press turn system where you when you attack a weakness in in the in like shimigami tensei nocturne and and games around that era when you when you attack an enemy's weakness you get extra attacks and kind of kind of the opposite too if you hit a if you hit a, a resistance you lose um basically turns that's how the Press turn system works. It's not exactly like that, of course, but it basically, Tokyo Mirage Sessions kind of has that elemental uh, affinity system that these types of games have always had, plus the weapon triangle type system that Fire Emblem has. And it just, it works pretty well. Different characters have different weapons that are just basically the type of weapon they use. For example, the main character, Itsuki, uses a sword. So he gets some sword abilities and things like that. But sometimes you'll have enemies that are basically like a Fire Emblem general, and swords don't work very well on them because they wield lances. Um, so it's things like that where Itsuki, unless he has an elemental ability, isn't the best character to, f- to face those guys. Whereas uh, Mamori, who uses an axe, can hit uh, those basically weak points. And as people know by now, when you hit a weak point, that's how you trigger the sessions. So that's how the extra attacks come about. But the thing that I wasn't so familiar with was how you gain skills uh josh talked about this briefly last time yeah but it's it it feels more like smt than i expected where when you train up weapons you get skills it really kind of re- reminds me of the magatama system from nocturne right yeah um, yeah and you and you only have so many skill slots so you kind of have to pick and choose which skill do i keep which Which skill is do I very
0: persona like yeah, yeah. <laughs> as you unlock and them you
2: can, and eventually you get uh a way to get like an, a, an extra skill slot and things like that. So there's kind of these cool progression things throughout. Um, and it, the, the presentation is of course, very unique and different, but when really I'm playing good. through this, yeah, when I'm playing through this, it kind of like, it, it feels like a PS2 era SMT game. And I mean that in the best way. And I guess it kind of feels like that because it's been that long since we've had a console SMT game. But like I said, like the skill system kind of feels like Nocturne. Um, and, it just has that same type of like, even like dungeon design kind of reminds me a little bit of, of like digital devil saga. Yeah. Or
1: something like uh, that. Uh, I was thinking the same thing. Have you, uh, have you played uh, SMT strange journey on the DS? Yes. Okay. The
2: session system is very similar. Yeah. To, it's very uh, much like that. Because what, strange what was it journey. called?
1: What was yeah, it I, called? Strange It's demon link or no, it was something like that. I know like when you hit a weakness, anyone who has like the same alignment
2: can do the up same. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like that. Um, The one thing that I'm maybe a little bit disappointed in, and I wish there's a little bit more like control or like something I could like some player agency, something that I could contribute is once you set off a a string of sessions, you kind of just watch it unfold in front of you. You like you hit a weak point and then I'm, I'm relatively close to the end of the game. Um, You hit a weak point and then basically all six of the other party members basically line up and do an attack. And it's kind of cool to watch, but you don't, you just you watch it and you don't really have any control over what they do
0: um when did you though
1: like ever zach when mentioned you last week that like, you can skip them i have idea. Yeah. No, you, I cannot, skip them. you okay. cannot skip can't? them you can okay. skip
2: the like the the you can skip like the uh the larger attacks like the ad lib things that just come up randomly or the uh combo attacks but the regular sessions you can't okay But uh, there, there's a lot of rpgs that have like some sort of chaining system or some sort of uh you know, linking system where you link attacks together. Um, Xenosaga 2 is one. Tales of Graces is one. Zilla has something like
0: that. All the oh, okay. So you're talking about like, you, those, you could do like a follow-up attack is what you're saying, like in those, the midst those of all that Those are more happening.
2: action RPGs. So I know they're not exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. But yeah. like, like I, I know this game isn't, doesn't have the most favorable reception, but like Xenosaga 2, you can do like these chaining attacks, but you kind of have to, to, in order to get them to be effective, you have to, you know, direct where you where you, where you target the enemies and what elements you're doing, and you kind of do it in sequence. And basically, the, the better you are at it, the longer change you can make. And Tales of Grace is, is similar to this, too. But like with the session attacks, it's basically like you hit a weakness and then, okay, now these six people are going to attack in a row. And there's really nothing I can do to, they just kind of attack and you watch it and it's flashy. And I, I just wish there's a little bit more I could, like, that required my input or my planning or my execution, but there's not. That there reminds me. Sure.
0: Yeah, so that, 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 that's, that,
2: yeah. I, I think this game is a good game. That's just kind of like the one thing that I'm just a little bit disappointed in, especially near the end of the game where I'm at the point. So as you progress through the game, you get new weapons, new skills that allow you, that basically allow people to chain more attacks together. So the further you get in the game, the longer your session chains can, be become, can become. But that's kind of just like a, a passive thing that kind of happens as you gain new mm-hmm. weapons not something that you're really controlling as you're actually in battle. So that's like the probably, that's probably would be my biggest criticism of the game mechanics. It's just, I wish there's a little bit more planning or execution or something to make it just a little bit more satisfying rather than just, okay, hit a weakness and then watch them, att- watch them all do a session chain. And now next, next, next character, hit a weakness and then do it again. Yeah. Especially near the end of the game. It's just where you see it like every attack is like, uh, I wish there was a little bit more there.
1: Adam, as you progress through the game um and of course as you know level, the design of the dungeons get more complex become larger is there any way like you can like up the like the, the run speed because i feel like it's like nor or anyone's normal <laughs> run speed like just it's, it's like so it's just kind of very slow it is kind of it is slow
2: and i was actually wondering if it was like one of the one of like the radiance radiant skills you get eventually but i don't i haven't gotten it yet and if I, where i am <laughs> I, I figure this probably isn't one yeah
0: I, I bet that that's the pace it goes because it's such a they don't want you like speeding your way through these levels otherwise it might shorten the game i guess I,
2: I will say that uh there are a couple of just quality of life things that i appreciate like for example there's a fast forward button um so like sometimes i'm doing side quest stuff and i just don't really you know I don't need to like sit through all the dialogue. I'll just kind of skip through a lot of it. Um, And also like early on in the game, you get abilities to, you get Estoma, which is a common SMT ability to basically wipe out low level uh, enemy icons. so You don't have to worry about them. And also you get the ability to warp back to base. So things like that, um, you get those relatively early on. So he was talking about run speed. And I was just thinking kind of these other just quality of life things that are, that I appreciate that they're there.
0: Yeah. It seems like it's, borrowing a lot from persona i imagine in persona 4 i mean persona 4 you don't run any faster than the the speed that you go but does that i mean not to get too deep into this but josh does that ever happen in persona 5 where you have something that, i mean you you can definitely dodge around and go quick but is there any type of skill that has you go faster in the dungeons at all uh yeah there's a, a
1: running mechanic in there a running so, mechanic it, but it, like a
0: way to speed that up like what do you mean up.
1: like a you mean? Like, a, like there's a speed dash up.
0: like yeah that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. the way to yeah. speed it up. That's the, I mean, yeah, just speed speaking speed as the up. developers, like if that's their whole like idea about traversing through a dungeon is that you take your sweet time, then that it's uh, it a Persona
1: Five. Like, there's your normal run speed, then there's a dash, and then like as you're going from like cover to cover to gain the upper hand on uh, uh, enemies, as it, like that that animation and itself from going to cover to cover is very fast. So it's actually yeah. like there's a there's a nice fluid pace to uh, to actually approaching enemy encounters that. Uh, definitely, definitely is a step up from uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions.
0: Yeah, Tokyo Mirage just seems like Adam. Does it get any better than? Because uh, I've, like I said, I only played about ten hours of that game. Does it get any more complex than a lot of like straight lines?
3: You mean in terms of puzzles? In terms well, of what like I the, was gonna map level was design. A...
0: Go ahead. You spent a lot of time talking about
3: like the battle system and a little bit on Persona Five dungeons. Josh spoke about, but like, are the dungeons and Mirage sessions do they get intricate and complex as you go on, or do they yeah. just kind of just get just bigger about talk and flatter about that. or what?
2: So, um, each dungeon has like a puzzle. None of them are are they. We talked about it briefly last week. They get a little bit more complex than the Maid Arms. <laughs> the Maid um, Arms, yeah. So. <laughs> uh, but they never, they never get too overwrought. Like, there's a dungeon where there's, like, a, like a grid panel. It's, like, a, a 7 by 7 or something like that squ- uh, grid. And only certain squares you can step on. And there's, like, three different paths on each side of the square. So you press these buttons to basically change which squares you can pass and which squares you can't to access all the different, basically, all the different corners of this little grid area. And it's, like, it's not really complicated, But I do kind of just appreciate stuff like that um, the kind of just even just a little bit of thought like, okay, I need if I want to access this area to the upper right to access a chest there, I need to open these squares and close these squares and things like that. Uh, I talked about this briefly when I did my podcast with uh, Zach uh, a couple weeks ago. Like I I recently played through Bravely Second. Yeah. And mm -hmm. this is probably the thing about the Bravely games I dislike the most is it's basically a walking simulator outside of outside of battle. You, the dungeons are literally just kind of like a snaking path and you just literally just kind of walk from A to B. Mm. It's not necessarily a straight line, but you just kind of literally are just walking and you're getting into combat along the way. Luckily, I like the combat in that game. But having these kind of these puzzles that Mirai Sessions has, um, they're not super complex and they're, some of them are a bit trivial, but I do kind of just appreciate it a little bit. So, but I think you can
1: definitely, like you'll see this when you play Persona 5, Adam. But you can definitely see how Atlas used token Mirage sessions as, as like a big, like a uh, like sta- uh, step to Persona Five. Practice. Like, kinda, <laughs> yeah, pretty much like uh, like token it's Mirage Dress sessions your... is like in a, in a way is like like the foundation of how they improved on that uh, core formulas and elements from token Mirage sessions into Persona Five because the dungeon designs in Persona Five are not like super complicated, but they're much more involved and much more well, contextualized. I mean, when you, when
2: you compare it to three and four, which are basically just Random floors. Yeah, find the, that's, a, find, that's the, find the stairs to the next floor. <laughs> go up on um, find the stairs to the next floor. It's, it's I I, I definitely like what Tokyo Mirage Sessions does more. Yeah, and that's one thing it also does, and it it feels a little bit formulaic. Is and Josh probably has seen this. There's a couple of paths you can't access the first time through, mm-hmm. and you eventually gain an ability to, to, uh, to basically access new paths with new chests. Um, in, in fact, to, for the story. Very very minor spoiler. You actually do have to go back to some of the earlier dungeons um, to to progress in the story, um, and they have like new new dun- Like so, you kind of like you you kind of see the old puzzles again, but they're just a little bit more tricky the second time through. Um, so it, it kind of feels a little bit like like it's recycling. So it's like I'm not totally I'm not like totally happy with it, but I think it's kind of like this. There are extra paths to 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 visit on your second time as, through, which,
1: as long as it doesn't like pull an i am Setsuna in which like there are locked chests and the only way to like open those like at the very end of the game before like uh, the last dungeon i mean i guess i'm okay with that because uh, i am Setsuna like i was not in any way motivated <laughs> to like go do that and go you back either to fight
2: the final boss and get be down at the game right now or go or can every spend single another area point, three hours area you've already been to to open the chest yeah the <laughs> do that uh, the bravely games do that with the blue chest but there's not too many of them but uh, i know i remember uh star ocean four did that with uh lots of different chests um i don't know what five does but it's
1: i, it's, I don't know it, either it's
2: it's, it's very much it's not that much backtracking though. it's okay. like i said it's stuff you actually have to do it's um, one of those are,
1: archaic elements that i kind of wish we're kind of done with or at least <laughs> don't make us backtrack throughout the whole game to get like a chest or two i don't
2: know yeah so i'm near the end of the game um like I basically, I, I kind of said I'm I'm happy with a lot of it. Uh, I'm actually in a chapter that's more Fire Emblem focused, and it's kind of neat uh, seeing. Oh. I, I mean, it's actually kind of neat. It, this this game actually heavily references Shadow Dragon, which is the remake of the first
0: Fire Emblem game. Yeah, I, mean. I heard you not didn't just, really was a big fan of that game. Shadow the Shadow
2: Dragon was uh, kind of a weird remake. Yeah, I, I mean not that not that I ever played the original
0: Fire Emblem, but it was it was awkward. The visuals, um, uh, of, of course, were the weirdest thing, I think. I should never got like... around
1: the Shadow Dragon. I played the original, but not Shadow Dragon. I mean, Dragon. The, 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 the
2: Mirages in this game are either based from Shadow Dragon, the original, or Awakening. Um, yeah. And, like, for example, throughout the game in some of the side quests and in some of the main quests, you'll actually fight, like, a boss, which is basically, hey, this is a character from Shadow Dragon and kind of a Mirage persona, enemy, demon shadow form type thing and it's kind of neat
1: Who are your favorite characters so far um
2: okay so that the characters in this game i don't say i don't think they're necessarily poor characters but it's the kind of game where like when the character is introduced within 10 seconds you basically know everything about them um and you
3: can i've heard that the protagonist is awful can you he's he's, he's super bland he's he's
2: bland and boring but like like for example when you're introduced to toma or Tsubasa like within 15 seconds, you're basically like, "Oh, so that's the type of character this person is." And then throughout the game, they really don't ever throw you for a loop. It's just like, "Yep, that's their." Yeah, character. Yeah, they, they they
1: never they never actually like grow out of like what their character designs like, like tell for you. For example, like for example, and this shouldn't be
2: a surprise, Tsubasa's the type of character where it's like, "I gotta try my hardest. I, I gotta believe in
0: myself." She's the just to be clear, and she's the main female protagonist. She's in the main this game. heroine. Yeah, yeah. she's kind
2: man. of almost the main character really, because it's, I mean, not sort of. Um, the story is it, about
0: her. Yeah,
2: she's the one basically going from I want to be an idol, and basically it kind of it revol- well, where I'm at in the story, there's now like stakes, and that's where they kind of bring in the. It goes from like more lighthearted to more like okay, now we actually have to save the world, and that's where kind of like the fire emblem shadow dragon stuff kind of comes back in,
1: um, which I think that kind of works well. Um, it it's, it's weird because Itzuki kind of reminds of uh, Vaughn from FF12. He's kind of like a side, kind of yeah. like a side character, like kind of like a cheerleader. <laughs>
2: Yeah, um, I actually think that's probably a good my of the character yeah. I think is probably the most interesting to me is either is probably Curia. She's the uh, basically she's the already established like performer character, and yeah, she's one, of the, she's one of the older people in the cast. So probably the fact that she is just a little bit more mature and not so like naive, I think, kind of is something that I probably am, have more of an affinity towards. Um, but she seems just a, a little bit less of like one note just a little bit uh than the other characters so I, like i said i don't think any of the characters are bad but it's like for example when you meet toma and you learn he wants to be like an action hero character and that's uh super basically, yeah basically that's kind of all he is uh so. <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> so that's been your experience with talking mirage sessions you're almost done with that game
2: uh i think i'm almost done cool
0: do you do you have plans for any other games after this
2: before our discussions in a month probably uh shin megami tensei for apocalypse
0: oh you haven't nice. beaten that yet i haven't started that yet oh i forgot that you weren't the one who reviewed it i'm so used to you covering those games <laughs> so yeah. it makes sense all right great uh, awesome and and of course josh um all you've got here is thinking. So you uh, <laughs> I, didn't really play I think, much of this past yeah, week. Yeah,
1: I mean, I mean, I played what I basically played last podcast. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking about getting Pokemon Moon. I'm kind of like on the fence about it. Kind of waiting to like read more impressions from friends and whatnot. And I and I just picked up Hitman because that's on on sale right now. And I I was uh, actually I really
3: thinking about grabbing Hitman.
1: I've heard so many good things about it. It's thirty bucks right now. It's, I hear like I great. hear like
3: nothing but praise for it. And I've never played a Hitman game, and I'm just I hear so much good. I'm like, okay, I gotta try it.
1: I I think there's one of those entries like it's like the perfect like gateway to it because there's so many. It it seems very inviting to like newer players because it has like a lot of like uh, UI prompts that like you can turn it off if you're like a veteran Hitman player. But like if you just want to see how everything works first, like it's it seems very helpful, and um, that's awesome. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad that the episodic approach to that game, like, it seemed really weird at first, but it seems to have really paid off for them. But all, yeah. it, d- doesn't like the complete collection thing come out like early next year or something? Yeah, uh, yeah, in January. Uh, and, and physical, but right now it's uh, it's available digitally, and it's actually half off on Steam right now. that's, oh, yeah, yeah, that's
2: you can that, you yeah. can you can already find the complete. Basically PC That's, version.
0: That was at the very beginning. It was the difference between either buying a single episode or buying the whole thing at once. Oh. That was your choices. Oh, so the physical release? Okay.
2: Yeah, I hadn't yeah. been paying a whole bunch of attention to it. But...
0: Yeah, Last year, uh, when I was going through my 100 games that I wanted to beat last year, I went through the first three Hitman games um, and, yeah, playing this one, the new Hitman is easily the best in the series. It's really damn good. Wow. And anyone who's I ever have... been interested yeah, in I that really like series, playing. even if you're not totally interested, um, it's not that challenging but it's it's the level design in those in this game is so amazing so intricate so like meticulous in the amount of detail that they put into each and every single level i mean some of the places are better than others like uh paris is a lot better than a lot of those other places uh but and the new japanese one they just put out uh is also really damn good that I think it's worth trying, even if you have, like, a passing interest in that series. It's just, uh, it's just fun to roleplay as well. Like, if you just want to take your time and just be part of that world, it, they do such a great job in just doing that.
1: It just seems and so I, dynamic. Like, it seems I, so I, very fluid. Like, like, a, like there's a lot of, like, mini events that could happen, interesting, interesting oh, side yeah, conversations.
2: Yeah, I've seen some people, like, link YouTube videos. I don't want to, like, spoil anything at all, but it's, like, some of the ways that you can f- carry out an assassination, like, are just they seem really creative and not like, not like, too out there to be like wacky and unbelievable. But like, it's not just you know, sh- stabbing someone in the back or sniping them from afar. There seems like to be there's some really creative assassinations that they put into that game. So
0: yeah, like each of the pl- each place has about a dozen different like. Uh, Story critical ways of dealing with like the assassinations, but because it's it's this type of design, uh, so many different things can happen, uh, and so like the way you take out the target, um, it can you can be as creative as you want to be. Like at one point, I uh, uh, someone was inside of like a room. And I was hanging out in the balcony area. And then I quickly threw a proximity mine and ran over, uh, climbed over the balcony and started going down one of the uh, the pipes uh, just to get down to the bottom floor. By the time I got near the bottom, that proximity mine went off and the target got killed. But also I think two or three of their other people that are around him I was like, well, that works, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and I just kind of walked my way out because no one knew it was me because I was so far away. Because the other cool thing in that game is that... Um, like, for example, the proximity mines is that it can just be used as a distraction. So, for example, like, you're in the same room as your target, but there's a bunch of people around. If you hide behind one of the pieces of cover and just chuck it, one of the people will, like, see it, but they don't know it, it came from you. They'll just, like, distract it because it made a noise, and they'll just walk over at it. And I've lost missions that way, too, though. They just get distracted and just walk over, like, some person oh, in the hallway. It's hilarious a lot of the time. Nice. Yeah, so you are in for quite the treat with Hitman. Though. Uh Great. it's there's there's so much content there too. Like it's as much as an RPG does. It's got like you can spend dozens of hours just messing around with that with, with those with those levels. Cool. Great. I uh, and Wait, and yeah, for you. In fact, do you have anything else you plan on playing before our discussions in a few weeks? Because uh, just to be clear, people don't know. Like, we have our game of the year discussions that we do, of course, annually. That we'll have a podcast up, um, and a that's going to be happening in a few with weeks. Lots
2: of people and it's it kind of
0: crazy. Yeah, it's going to uh, be kind of challenging. Let's
1: see, I, I wanna, I wanna get through a little bit more Tokyo Mirage sessions. I definitely wanna touch Stardew Valley. And, you would um, touch it.
0: Yeah, Stardew uh, Valley. That's out in December for consoles trying to think of what oh, else I want to get through. I want to try well, to Valley
2: it. too. Yeah, uh, like that game seems to be like everybody loves it. Like yeah. you look on, you look on. I I don't want don't have it in front of me, but like all the reviews on Steam, it's like ninety nine percent positive or something like Shit. that. It's ridiculous.
0: <laughs> yeah, and it's like
2: 30, I can, I want to say it was like thirty thousand reviews or something. Or 30, I'm holding 000?
1: out to see if it gets a, a price drop during the Steam sale. uh If there's just gonna be like a one around Thanksgiving or not. Um, it was
0: on Scylla during the last one, so I'm sure it will be, yeah.
1: And I think, I don't know, I've haven't, I haven't, I've had Cyber Sleuth on my shelf for months, but I haven't
2: touched it yet. I don't know if I want to get that. Stardew Valley, over 30,000 reviews, 97% positive. Oh, crazy, dude. <laughs> okay.
1: and, I, and they just keep updating that game too, just like, there seems to be just a lot of great, consistent developer support to just making that an even better game somehow.
0: I'm, yeah i really i really want to play that game that and like darkest dungeon i want to get around to playing uh because i'm a fan of those types of games oh um, yeah i've heard yeah. so many good things from, that from my friends definitely worth playing now that it's out on the I, I might try it on the playstation 4 um that's uh not just Steam sales, but yeah, like since we've got like that Black Friday PlayStation Network sale coming up, I'm expecting some big things because last year I remember there being some crazy discounts on games, like they're seeing like 60 off or more on some of these titles. But they're, it's kind of weird. Like I want to focus on that, but then I see I I buy like PlayStation Two on PlayStation Four titles. Like <laughs> I, I I can't be wasting my time with this. I need to focus. It's tough. It's yeah. tough because
1: there there are just some games that like you just immediately just get immersed in right away just whether it be in nostalgia or just like it's it at, like we have to do this for game of the year but they say that
0: you just might, kind of want to calm down and relax because it's the end of the year too yeah absolutely enough playing and reviewing games for most of the year now we have to like focus on playing games even if we're not reviewing them it's still spending all that time trying to catch up but um we're sure to have some great conversations. But finally, um, about yeah. the people that have been playing games. Brian, you recently put up your Tyranny review, and you seem pretty positive about that experience, right? Um, I was more positive when I started than when I finished, but generally oh. it
3: was a good experience. Uh, when I last talked about it, it was still under embargo, but I could talk up through Act 1. And the game started out with a very interesting premise to recap it very quickly, basically. There is no, like mass effect or infamous style morality system it's more you actually have to pick sides you have to play favorites um you are you are in the role of a fate binder and you've got to decide who you're going to favor and who you're going to i don't know not favor uh, it's there's not it's not a very clear like good versus evil sort of thing it's there's no way to please everyone and in some rpgs even in some uh obsidian rpgs where there's there's generally like a best way to do everything whether it's non-lethal or you make friends on a- on every side you play all sides this game from what i could tell didn't have that which i really enjoyed uh, so when i was ha- you know through act one halfway through act two i thought it, it was going to be something really special go ahead well like sometimes
2: when you're playing a game you're like well i i, I just want to be the the good guy so i'm just going to pick the choice that's the good choice and you're not even like really even thinking about it Where from what you're telling me it sounds like when you have to pick a side you actually have to think like which side do I prefer? Like, rather than just saying, oh, "I'll just pick the good side,"
3: is that right? Is it's that like, right? okay, I'm—I no matter what I do here, I'm going to piss someone off, and that someone you're pissing <laughs> off is going to be someone that you maybe worked with in the past, unless you go through the whole game like with the mindset, "I'm just going to, you know, kick this this faction or this person while he's down over and over, and in every opportunity that I get." So, when I was halfway through the game, and the last time we talked about it on the podcast, I was really high on it. I was, but then. What I kind of realized once once kind of a newness uh, wore off is that even though the idea and the trappings, the trimmings or whatever, are great and interesting and the writing that's there is as good as you would expect it to be from an Obsidian game, the actual game itself was just kind of limited. Like, all of the enemies are humanoid, like mages or soldiers. Every once in a while, you'll fight a ghost. There's no Ents. There's no Wargs. There's no Orcs. There's no it's just there's a very limited enemy pool the fields are kind of small like any of the side quests that you get obsidian does a great job fleshing out like the characters the motivations and all that but then to actually complete the quest you usually just kind of go to a field you click it click it on the map kill all the enemies there you pick up all the loot and without even thinking about it you've completed the quest here's some gold it's it was just kind of limited in scope on an actual gameplay front um so that made me kind of pull back on my reception on it just a little bit uh so i scored it a seven which i think kind of reflects the strengths and weaknesses of the title um you can read my review at rpg site or i put up a video
1: yeah how did how does it uh like you're talking about limited scope so are you uh like compared to pillars of eternity you just feel like there's like a more it feels like a secondary project that seems like pillars got you know well, More like pillars, the, like pillars of eternity work, had a
3: yeah. few like fairly large open fields, and then it had like a multi-floor dungeon, and then there were a few like large dragon boss fights. Where in this title, there's a there's like two dungeons, and they're both kind of small, and they're they like rhyme with each oh, okay. other, so it's like it's like the same dungeon twice, and they're right. both. Um, One of the the major components of the game is that you find five spires, and each spire you put a different focus to. They're kind of like your home bases, and two of the spires have like dungeons attached. I'm like, oh, we're going to have like five themed dungeons, like a Zelda game or something. Uh, But nope, it doesn't really do that. I don't know if it was a budget thing or a time thing or a design thing, but some of the towers have dungeons, and a lot of them don't. I think three of the five didn't really have a dungeon attached, which... I kind of I kind of I'm glad it's not like formulaic like, oh, here's the dungeon to this tower, but at the same time it's like, okay, then where are the other dungeons or where are the other like fields or gameplay areas and they're just there's just not a lot so that's and then part of it is is by design because based on what factions you you side with, there's some areas on your world map that you won't even visit because you're not you're not involved in that realm or whatever.
1: So I think so the game was like permanently.
3: Right um like I I didn't find a way to like there was some er- there, there was one area called the burning library but because of my choices I've never got to visit it because oh. I was I was never aligned with whoever was interested in that area so I I do think that that makes the game kind of conducive to replays you know make friends with the different side or make different choices and you can end up in different places. So I think that would be strong before a single playthrough. It just, it just means that you're even more limited.
2: It kind of so. makes uh, that type of design. Like I, on one hand, it's like, it really feels like, like this is an actual consequence to your choices. Like I know there's sometimes there's those games where it's like you pick one place over the other, but you can end up ultimately like going to both. Like, I think, I think one of the fallout games was like that. You pick one of the factions, you can, you can end up going to both places and kind of completing everything anyway. So it's like, doesn't really matter what you pick. So on one hand, I kind of feel like this is an actual consequence. That's kind of nice to actually have that. But... Yeah. Another
3: game that was like that that I think you guys talked about on last podcast was the new Deus Ex game. There's like one key decision in the middle of the game, right. but without without spoiling anything, you learn that one of the decisions is like objectively better than the other because one of them, the what you get for it is not needed. Like you can you can get the better quote unquote ending with one decision yeah. that you can't get with the other. And it's just kind of like, well, that's—is it really a choice anymore? Once you know that, where in this game in tyranny, it's like, okay, you you are going to make allies with with so and so and enemies with. Yeah, with that, the other that's people. actually that's,
2: that's actually kind of a good example of what I was just saying. Like, I actually just played through ASX, and like you just said, you you pick one option, and you can go ahead and kind of, kind of get the other the, the reward for doing the other option anyway, and so it's not really even a choice, like you said. So.
3: Yeah. Right. So to sum it up, I think that the, the writing is great. The world building is amazing. It's incredibly deep. Just the, on the gameplay front, uh, it just felt a little bit limited. Um, and it, it, I think I said when I was in the middle of playing it, like, oh, I'm in act two of probably four, but it ends up being three acts, and the third one kind of ends abruptly. It's it almost like Deus Ex, where it kind of feels like it ends premature to when it should. Like, okay, here's the final showdown or whatever, and it's, oh, it's over, I guess um do
2: do, do you think it's like setting up a sequel or like a follow-up or i think
3: i think it kind of is because uh trying to be vague you're you're working under the fate binder uh sorry you're working under the overseer kairos and you never meet them in this game and then the ending of the game suggests that you're going to be you're going to meet them like this is the person that you've been working under and you can you can either be like super loyal to this person or you can kind of be like yeah i work for you but i keep my own interests closer to my heart so you, it's it sets up like you're gonna meet this person and then you don't ever. So it's it's not explicitly saying you're going to in the sequel, but it's like, well there's they left that avenue there. So Would
1: you yeah. would you would you go back to this game if they got like an expansion like the White March or Marsh for Pillars of Pillars of Eternity? Yes.
3: And what I would probably do is um I never actually played the White Marsh. I played Pillars of Eternity, but I wasn't really interested in replaying through the same game because the white marsh wasn't like end game content it was mid game content i believe like you could access the area halfway through the game um, if the, if some sort of tyranny add-on was designed in the same fashion i think i would be more uh, likely to replay it because you can make different choices and go to different locations on the map and then in addition to playing whatever the new content is so yes i probably would replay it if it if it got some sort of add-on like that did you run into any like major obsidian bugs no actually um oh man that's
1: actually the biggest surprise then (laughs)
3: um i think pillars of eternity was relatively clean too yeah Uh, so um i think i like i think i crashed once but i might have like all tabbed in and out you know with capturing screenshots or something too many times i wouldn't put it on them but no no like no i didn't get any like quests like the one thing that always bothers me in Western RPGs, when you get a quest stuck in your log, like yeah. it tells you, to ret- it tells you, it tells you to do something that now you can no longer do because the person is dead or the area is closed off or the person won't. T- it tells you to talk to a person and they won't even acknowledge that they know you or something like that. But no, I didn't get any stuck quests. Um, I didn't get any like looping dialogue or or bugged. You know, some every once in a while in these games you also get like a bug, like oh, if you talk to this person and say these dialogue options in a certain order, you can infinitely max out some stats I,
2: I, I remember uh knights of the old republic 2 which was a, which was an obsidian oh, game there was some I, I don't remember the specifics but i do remember there was some place somewhere where you could like loop a dialogue thing and get like max like favor with that character and how yeah. that worked in that game yeah.
3: <laughs> but yeah i didn't run into that so it seems like it's got had quality qa or whatever you want to call it so good
0: job yeah it makes me wonder because now that Obsidian is very unlikely to work with Bethesda anytime soon, uh, or if ever, based on their history. Um, because the only other kind of you know idea I can think of is like uh, to compare the studio to is like Bioware. Bioware started working with like license games and things like that before they finally struck it on their own, and started making games, and they made a, see- a series. It makes me wonder because uh, Josh brought up. Like the idea of tyranny getting a sequel, it's like, are we ever going to see Obsidian make a series or a trilogy or anything like that? I think that'd be really cool to see because they are so good at you know coming up with these stories. stories. Yeah. But um, you know, we have always seen them make these standalone titles. I mean, it makes me think that you know people were expecting the Pillars of Eternity two, and that's what Tyranny is kind of just based on using the same engine and design principles, but. um do you guys think that we'll ever see uh, Obsidian do a whole series? Like, I, think, uh, well, like, I guess BioWare, they need money. Bioware, but, of so. course,
2: is you know, Bioware is of course like run and owned by EA. Yeah, that's so true. like, yeah, they where Obsidian idea. kind of is by themselves. So, I remember
1: reading like like Obsidian at like one point like I think during Pillars of Eternity's like development. They they have a very unstable you know flow of uh, resources. It's just it, it's hard to make a like a trilogy of some sort if you have like a, uh, an uncertain future if you're like kind of like almost surviving like from project to project.
0: Yeah, well, I, but I you, yeah well. I, sorry to go to go against that though it's that the. The benefit of having a series is that you get people coming back and, and buying more of that it's like you're building on a on a known property instead of having to start from scratch every single time and so there's actual like monetary benefits from doing a series and you know if you've got all these other smaller studios doing series and sequels and things like that too, it just makes me wonder if obsidian uh wherever hit hit like that surefire you know hit title that they can build off of just because you know you can always come up with like say uh Halo, or whatever, you know, you, there's always ways to create a sequel over after a game you feel is over with, you know, like you can build upon that, but we'll see, I guess. Well,
2: like Pillars of Eternity was crowdfunded. Yeah. Ty- Tyranny-, Tyranny was not, right?
0: No, no, it wasn't. Yeah. And Tyran-
2: no. Tyranny has, I guess, Paradox as their publisher. Did Paradox do like publishing for for
3: uh, Pillars of Eternity 2, or was that totally yes. independent? Okay. No, they, this is their, Tyranny was their second. Uh, collaboration with paradox and i do not know i am not familiar with any of paradox's other titles i think they do like mountain blade and, and uh, those titles and paradox? the only ones that mm, I mean, yes yeah, I'm, I'm just not familiar with arts them. of iron obsidian they do a lot games.
2: of european smaller devs but also obsidian
3: yeah so yeah the only the only exposure i have to them are pillars of eternity and tyranny
0: wait i'm I, I feel like they, I they, should they, they, know, they do they do they do cities, all those 4k city, games x games they do, like, they do Crusader Kings, Solaris, uh, City, City Skylines, Skylines. Yeah. Europa, and, 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 Universal, yeah. So, yeah, um, they, are the, they are the big you know, strategy guys. So absolutely. yeah, if, if they keep up the
3: strong partnership with Obsidian, maybe we're more likely to see a, some sort of sequel or franchise.
0: Yeah. If they're, if they're going to fund it. Um, I, I mean, a lot of it, I'm sure, depends on the success, success of Tyranny, but I just thought that would be an interesting thing to bring up. Um, and other than that, though, you're still playing some more Dragon's Dogma.
3: Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about it uh, yeah. except
0: for I did,
3: I did, uh, I did kind of finish it. I went through the expansion area, Bitter Black Isle, and I guess it. The idea of Bitter Black Isle is that it's kind of this endgame dungeon that you can kind of go through over and over again get you know fight different bosses get different loot or whatever and i do i do kind of enjoy that sort of japanese game sensibility like when you think of something like witcher 3 or whatever it doesn't really have that once you once you explore all the areas you're done you know you finish all the quests clear out your book you're done
0: yeah
3: where where um dragon Sogma, it kind of repeats uh, both 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 the way that the bitter black isle dungeon loops back on itself or the game itself through new game plus Plus. I guess Witcher three has New Game Plus two, but it's yeah, it's not really the same thing because Dragon's Dogma, like how it works, is that you play New Game Plus, and there's actually it's actually got like a lore, like it fits into the lore of the game to make sense. Where in Witcher three, it's just you play it again with better stats or whatever. Yeah, and I don't, I don't way pick Witcher, on Witcher three. Ends. I don't mean <laughs> to pick on yeah, I don't mean to pick on Witcher three. I'm just saying I'm trying to think of a Western RPG that has something like that where it's something you do over and over, like a like bitter black eye it's really not there like it has a very
1: clearly defined I finish kind of have diablo with the three minutes riffs kinda yeah mm-hmm. uh, uh but uh, bitter black eye is a is a real funny dungeon because just like the enemies they throw at you like it, it starts off fairly basic you know there are orcs and goblins and whatnot then you have like the higher versions of them that are immune to magic and then like all all those little critters like by like the the third or fourth loop of it replace them with dragons and it's like oh well this is the thing i guess it's, yeah, and
3: I played as a mage just because – I don't play as, like, a mage or magic character in most games. I usually play as either, like, a, just a heavy armor guy or a, or a rogue oh guy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I played as a mage, which for most of the game was fun and interesting. But in Bitter Black Isle, you you got to use, like, your strongest spells, and they take, like, 12 seconds to cast. So it's like, okay, you I'm going to gonna sit here and Carol cast. And, too. So like
1: something like, something like a, like a lightning or a whirlwind inside, like, right. these – meteor showers yeah Yeah. i'm just
3: like i'm just like hiding in a corner like okay hopefully my npcs (laughs) will just distract them while i stand here for 12 seconds and try to get my spell off and then like um that is one of the limitations of the game is that it's you have to rely on the ai of your pawns or whatever so i was fighting the bitter black isle boss and he has an ability where he can like suck your pawns out of the room and Uh like I think the pawns have like a, a learning capability so that yeah. if, if you fought him, if you fought the guy over and over again they would learn oh avoid that attack by running away or whatever but yeah. mine hadn't fought it so uh, I was fighting this boss that had like twelve health bars and then all of a sudden all my pawns are gone and it's like mono <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, and, and the only reason I won shamedly is that I had enough of the the self revive items like the auto potions or whatever you call it so I was just like pegging away at his health if I died I used a wake stone. Um but to, to trying to to kind of put a bow on this, I I played Dragon's Dogma because it came on PC in January. It just took me a few months to get to it. I think it's a very interesting take. It's kind of it it it, it applies some Western fantasy sensibilities, but still has like a very uniquely Japanese play style. Um, I think it's a game that everyone should check out, especially Actually, if they adore it. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I am kind of sad that it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere. Like it was sort of tethered to like deep down for a little bit kind of and then that kind of fell through and i don't even know what's the status anymore it's,
1: it's, it, there's dragons dogma online in japan but that's no
0: it, it seems like that's not gonna get localized yeah the only nah. thing they said about that recently was that there was a capcom uh, physical uh, release but and they said that they had interest reading the uh the uh the game dragon's dogma online outside of the country but it meant it was probably more aimed towards like asia china yeah (laughs) china because they do that they've done that before where they say we have plans to release it outside and i think Sega did it with that with like fantasy star online too and we saw that that just meant yeah southeast asia and all these other places that not the west not quote unquote the west yeah i think i
3: think it's a game that for people who who um value like gameplay over style or i guess it's a stylish game too but what I'm getting at is that it doesn't have a very strong story. The narrative is just kinda of there, but the actual like encounters and going through the combat and exploring the, the dungeons or whatever and um it's it's just in it's just kind of enjoyable just to go through that. Even though you, you try to piece the story pieces together and you're like, That wasn't that interesting and the dialogue's not great and the voice acting the production values aren't awesome, but
1: um, it's charming because you because you have a lot of like the, the actual script of it, like especially like the pawns quotes are just right. they're repetitive, but they're they, they get stuck in your mind like when you're saying, What a gaff like ten thousand times or Arisen, orcs are the hunt in packs or no wolves hunt in packs. And Look, Master like... Herpes <laughs> yeah, yep. pretty, pretty much. <laughs> the pawns are the so best part sh- of that game for sure.
0: <laughs> they're really funny.
3: Yeah, so you gotta you gotta you know be a little less serious because it also can get kind of funny with how it determines like who your beloved is. Like there's this one <laughs> there's this one shop owner who has a bunch of like side quests that you kind of help her get her shop up and running. Uh, like you help her escape the city and you give her like money to help uh, you know start up her company. And because I did that, she was my beloved, and I'm like oh. <laughs> I just wanted oh. to buy. I just wanted to buy like the whatever she had to say, her sales or whatever. And it's it's just kind of it's kind of kind of got a goofy, awkward system. So you gotta just kind of have to laugh at it. And it's kind of like oh, I it's guess funny. I ended up
1: with her or whatever. It's funny how like the the most uh, the desired uh, like lover or partner that you can have is like I think the clown for systematic reasons, because in the post game that dude like I think only hangs out in the Noble District and for story reasons you can't access it, but if you have him as your lover, he'll stay like at, the, at your home. And uh. <laughs> I just learned that from my friends like a few days ago and I was like, wow, that's that's really goofy. What a game. Yeah, it's it's enjoyable. And I think anyone who, it's, it's on
3: sale on the Humble November monthly. I think you can get a one month subscription for like 12 bucks and get the game. Something like that. Oh okay. yeah. I think it's, it's worth definitely. checking out.
0: Well, great. Yeah, I also agree that I hope that series continues because it feels like that Capcom has some great things going with that, especially if it's meant to be, like, the big console counterpart to Monster Hunter. If it kind of felt like that, like they're they trying to create something as, as successful as Monster Hunter was for it, portables, it just, it, but... It just
2: you know. seems kind of almost a shame, like, they, they there's, like, so many assets and, you know, like, how much work must have gone into putting Dragon's Dogma. Is it really just going to be just, like, a one-off game from Capcom? Well, they got
0: Dragon's Dogma yeah. online. Apparently, that's being that's very uh, that's I keep saying successful, and I keep messing up the. It's Such done sexy. very well for them in Japan. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't talk. Apparently, uh, it's done very well for them in Japan based on their earnings reports. So, yeah, I hope for you the hoping? best,
1: and uh, hope well, if we ever see deep down again, which is kind of almost looks like dragon's dogma we'll, we'll see <laughs> there was of. like that that was that facebook post i remember, I, I'm that trying to remember what the last
2: thing we've heard of that was oh my god uh like, there do was, i remember yeah. 14 13? i don't know it has been a long time
0: it's... yeah there was that facebook post where someone called it uh deep down Two. oh uh, no sorry they called deep down uh dragon's dogma 2 and that was a false report so it was actually from one of the community people from capcom so that was a mistake <laughs> uh, and on that, you know, um, as, as far as I'm concerned, I haven't really been playing much either. I mean, I finally got, yeah. One it is. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's that, um, I got an Xbox One S not long ago based off of like a glitch from Target, so I saved a bunch of money off of it, and I planned on selling it so I could save a little bit extra cash just because I'm not doing so well financially, um, but the person on eBay bought it but never paid me, and two weeks went by, and I was like, you know what, I might as well just keep it. It's it's I saved some money here, and if I did try to sell it, it'd be barely any profit from it. And yeah, I set that up. It's been about 5 years since I touched an Xbox system, and so throwing myself into the latest uh a, the latest console that they put out. Um it's been really well. Uh, it's been really good. Um I yeah, I've really enjoyed For- Forza Horizon 3 uh quite a lot, and my brother let me have access to his games, and so I've got like Lost Odyssey I can check out. Actually, no wait. Um I checked out Blue Dragon uh also, and it's Have you played great. Blue Dragon? Yes. Um, Funny enough, it's that when I was in college, uh, that was the first time I bought an HDTV uh, for the first time when it was like, I think I was a sophomore at the time. So this was around like... 2008 uh when i bought an hd tv and that was the first game i game i ever tried using that so i flipped that switch on the 360 that turned it from standard to hd and oh, my shit. my eyes just melted I, it was so I, cool. I
2: remember my first hd game was lost odyssey so kind of similar
1: like
0: yeah the visuals i mean obviously blue dragon's more cartoonish and lost odyssey is more realistic but it's the same thing like they did really well uh regardless of people's opinions i think the art design in both those games are really damn good so i, I think really blue dragon is
2: dragon. a great game like the job system is good yeah it's kind yeah. of a really silly saturday morning type story yeah. and characters and stuff <laughs> and it was but a saturday like morning as... cartoon yeah i mean basically <laughs> yeah <game> it was <laughs> so it's not like not as serious as as lost odyssey and lost odyssey probably has better characters and all that but i do think just the actual like turn job system that blue dragon had was
1: really cool
0: yeah i love the dragons uh the shadows that they had each of them different it reminded me like of uh a little bit of like giant quest style like the whole like the design of that game reminded me of giant quest it was just because akira toriyama was the artist oh, right. <laughs> so yeah that makes perfect sense but it's,
1: yeah it's funny how you come full circle on this uh saturday morning cartoon thing because guess what guess this uh what show this season has a or guess what game series has a show this season what is it monster hunter stories
0: oh yeah yeah so that's <laughs> i didn't know you it. were it's going a, there with that okay it's a, cool. no it's, it's a
1: yeah it just reminded it's like it's a weird thing it's like yeah blue dragon did have a show it's like that monster Hunter I mean, story. we were talking right about off. capcom so that's also yep. relevant yeah. <laughs> no I, I, I haven't i haven't seen it but i mean it, i guess people are actually really liking it i remember um uh was uh, he goes by gaijin hunter he's uh, the dude that uh does oh yes gaijin uh, hunter that, is um, great yeah yeah, he does all the in-depth Monster Hunter weapons tutorials and whatnot, and he seemed to really like Monster Hunter stories, uh, from what I gather. So I'm hoping you, you see that.
2: When I was like, when I was following the game before it released in Japan, like it's 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 kind of like Monster Hunter Pokemon, which, it, it, on one hand, it kind of feels like everyone wants to ape Pokemon, but like it kind of just makes sense that there is like a Monster Hunter version of Pokemon. Like, it's not that far fetched. Yeah. You know, rather than <laughs> rather than killing monsters, what if you got them and trained them and all that i really, I really
1: like how they like to beat. like uh of course they, it's more uh targeted towards like younger uh yeah. audiences uh like how they kind of like cutesified like the, the the dragon design or like the monster designs in it it's an it's a weird transformation of them i'm it's not fine. too familiar oh, with fine. i'm
2: not too familiar with monster hunter but i know like uh there's oh, man there's one of the there's one of the dragons that starts with an r rathalos. and
1: like
2: yeah rathalos that's it and like you look at like the monster yeah. hunter like X version, it's like this, you know, really threatening large dragon, <laughs> and then you look at like the the Monster Hunter stories Rathalos equivalent. And it's just like this. It looks like a Pokemon dragon type thing, you know. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, it makes it version. makes sense. It's just like World of Fauna Fantasy in that Monster Hunter stories is almost guaranteed to be supposed to be a, an introduction to that whole series for young people, so that they get interested and buy more of those games from that series but i from the people that i know who played monster stories they also had a very good experience with it so yeah um there's still no word about localization is there about that game right no no not yet the Cap- yeah. Cap- capcom's like
1: capcom's like i had a very quiet year like they like yeah the things like they had street fighter 5 and then like all those re-releases of the resident evil 4 5 and 6 and uh and then 7 in january and that's all i know from capcom right now
0: yeah, I mean, I, I was going to bring this up later, but I might as well mention it now. It's that Sega uh, had their own festival recently, uh, and one of the things that they put out was the top 10 games that, uh, it was a poll, by the way, and this is uh, a few thousand votes that were put in, so it's not quite, you know, totally expressive, but that's like, when you hear of like political polls, they tend to be about a couple thousand people too, so we're going to go off of just that. Uh, Sega of Japan poll about which franchises deserve a revival um I, I figured i'd bring this up because we're talking about you know these right. games that we hope can continue on like dragon's dogma so let me read off the top 10 um starting from number 10 so number 10 nights the dreams all right yeah uh i, I only <laughs> played
2: the wii version of that and it was probably one of the worst games i played like, it's I know not the- good <laughs> people have a- i know, know the nice
1: original i don't know people really have a weird different. adoration for it i was like I- yeah it's not sure i
0: guess it's it was like it's just the design and the characters themselves i think people have an attachment to but when you talk about the gameplay itself it was pretty bad um like the whole 3d trying to control the character through the rings and whatnot i remember playing that like at a target a long time ago like in the back of a target they had a saturn station set up with knights in the dreams and knights christmas uh as well and that i just i remember even as a kid i didn't think it was that good a game but it looked pretty
1: (laughs) yeah that's about it Uh... yeah
0: uh, and number nine, Streets of Rage. Okay, good. Yeah, I I would I would hope so. I mean, they better have you know. The only reason I'd be interested in that game is more about the music, though. Like, I don't know about a side-scrolling brawler nowadays. Like, because I have they... no idea how you'd test that formula, to be honest. Yeah. Like, look at like like a final fight, and uh, you know. Uh, double Dragon, what they did to those series over, over the years. Uh, I don't know if I really want them touching that anyway, other than like a remaster of those. I mean, those, just, then again, that there was a fan con- project that came out with the Streets of Rage. Streets uh, of Rage concert there. Yeah. Yeah, that's good enough. Uh, number eight, Skies of Arcadia. Yes. Oh, very wow. awesome.
2: yes I recently please. saved up like credits that I was getting from my credit card, and I got like, <laughs> it was like 80 to $90 to buy a used copy of the skies of arcadia legends for gamecube i don't have a dreamcast um so i finally have a copy of it now i need to play it and now now that i spent the credits watch it like show up on steam or something like valkyria chronicle style
0: (laughs) oh it's i it feels like it's very much going that direction anyway just because of like the sega's ted themselves not long ago like the i think it was sega europe's community manager dude talking about that you know we have big plans for our pc ports and all that stuff I so i'm, I'm pretty uh, sure
2: like even their financials you know one of their goals is take legacy software and put it on new platforms that's right. yeah so, i like, think he was addressing that, was, that the valkyria chronicles was like the kind of a start of that i know there's been like also murmurs of things like vanquish getting a pc port i would like love that. vanquish on pc oh my god 4k
0: vanquish <laughs> you know just all up in your Oof. eyes <laughs> uh yeah skies of arcadia that seems i was going to mention like uh, when you said legends, I'm like, well, I guess. But then again, it's got better, you know. Like, uh, the, like it's less. Uh, I think isn't the legends the one that has like less encounter rate? Like, it's a lower encounter. I, rate? I, I, I know I it's think just so. like it yeah. came out.
2: It's it came out later, and it's basically the same game with a couple of like additions. But I mean, I don't really care about the differences. I just don't have a Dreamcast, so. That was. I
0: was, was, was going to mention like, what if you just bought a Dreamcast and Skies of Arcadia? And Then I was thinking. You know, Skies of Arcadia for the Dreamcast is probably just as expensive. So it probably but wouldn't that make... But would Dreamcast upside down. Yeah, it wouldn't make any sense. Uh, number seven, seven, Shining, the Shining series. Which is weird because they put out Shining Resonance that didn't get localized. This is Japan's poll. They got more recent game than we did. <laughs> so we're the ones that are like really a Shining, missing out. Isn't
2: there like a newish Shining-based mobile game too? I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know about mobile. I know there's a
1: Fighter that was released on Steam. Oh, yeah, Fighter. That yeah, was Shining
0: blade or or blade Blade arcus yeah yeah based on the series that yeah that was released over here on steam which was kind of out of nowhere and that's another example and it wasn't i don't think it was really sega either i think it was like another company that did it Uh, on their behalf right
1: yeah yeah the name uh escapes me at the moment but it wasn't uh sega themselves
0: yeah it's it's it was awesome but it kind of came and went no one really talked about it denkika yeah Dengeki? Yeah. Dengeki. Yeah, yeah. Dengeki. dengeki yeah that was it I uh, met those guys at Anime Expo. That was nice. Uh, but yeah, that's that's another one of those series that, um, you know, at least they got to benefit from it. Number six, Panzer Dragoon. Uh, yes.
1: <laughs>
0: yes, but I
1: try to think how you... Panzer Dragoon Saga 2
0: is all you need to Panzer Dragoon Saga <laughs> HD is all you need to do. I don't care about a new. Because the guy who made that um, Xbox One Panzer Dragoon. Well, it wasn't Panzer Dragoon, but it was, you know. From I the guy the who name made of the, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, they he they put that out and he he was like it was in the midst of releasing that game. He said, "You know, I would love to make another Panzer Dragoon RPG." Uh, and I was super excited by that prospect. But the game that they put out for the Xbox apparently was not good. Uh, so it kind of made me think that then maybe was dead in the water. But I highly recommend anyone checking out Panzer Dragoon Saga. I know how expensive that is. It's crazy because like the funniest thing I think about that game is that it's on it comes on four discs. But it's only oh, about yeah, 10 that's hours. right. Yeah, it's only about ten <laughs> hours on. <laughs> so Shit. a lot of audio goes into that game and the uh, and the and the cutscenes. That's what made up a lot of that uh that stuff. And these are CDs, you know, the same as like you know Final Fantasy Seven. So it's it took up a lot of space. Uh, but the soundtrack to that game was so damn good. The combat system in Panzer Saga is one of my favorite combat systems ever. Yeah, it's just it's it so awesome. amazing because it's all about. Like fighting against the enemy, because what you do is that, um, just to briefly mention, I don't want to spend too much time on this, uh, in that you're basically moving around the enemy uh, and uh, trying to, because their, their weak spot that they have on their body, you can move uh, either behind. Uh, in front or to either side of that enemy. And uh, what happens is that one of those sides ends up becoming more weaker than the other. So you have to constantly be moving around the enemy and trying to attack their weak spot. And they move all over the place, you know, so it's really hard to keep track of them. They might disappear off of the battle screen completely and come back around behind you. And so you have to quickly move around because your dragon that you're on also has weak spots. So it's, it's the constant tug of war uh this constant struggle that you have to fight with um that made it so much fun but yeah that i I can't say enough good things about that game as expensive as as it is it just makes me want to buy the japanese version just say you know i'll put up with this if it just means i don't have to spend a ton of money (laughs) i would love a copy of that game um number five virtual fighter
1: yeah yeah we're Version of that in Yakuza Six, like of the latest version.
0: That's true. That's very true. Yakuza within 6. Yakuza.
1: The what? With within Yakuza. Yeah, yeah Yakuza it's like the arcade. We'll have an yeah. uh, online playable uh Virtual Fighter Five Final Showdown. I think. Yes. I, so just just the full game, the the full game inside that game that you play on. <laughs> I
2: might be misremembering. Did Yakuza Five have anything like that? Exactly. I know. It, I mean, well, let's I mean, see. like, a, maybe just an extensive mini game. Like, I don't know. Was there. There was Virtua Fighter. I think it
0: was just the old version of it. Okay. Uh, let me see.
1: I know it it's Yeah. Virtua Fighter 2,
0: I think it was what was in there. Yeah, it's Virtua Fighter 2 was in it. Okay. So it had that and it had, like, pachinko games and stuff like that. And that was yes. interesting. Uh, they had Mahjong, I believe. And I'm, I know how to play Mahjong. So that was a fun game just to be spending too much time with. Uh,. That,
2: I think to play Mahjong in high school, but I have no idea how to play it
0: now. <laughs> I've got like this clip from the PlayStation Four, like this anime Mahjong game that came out around launch of the PlayStation Four where I completely dominated against everyone else and the computers and I left, I basically stole all their money and then some. <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. <laughs> that was the, one of the best experiences that I had. Even if it was a bunch of computers and I'm sure it wasn't like a heavy difficulty, it was just uh probably the best time I've had with that whole, you know, that game itself. Uh number four shenmue
1: there's we've got the a new, new one shenmue coming 3.
0: out <laughs> yeah and speaking of hd versions other than skies of arcadia yeah sega's pretty much said shenmue was at the top of their list about the hd uh really remasters that people want the most so yeah we've got shenmue 3 coming out number three virtual on yes fuck
1: yes <laughs> Yes. Goddamn, please what is virtual on uh, so, Virtual Odd is basically a giant robot fighting game. It, it kind of,
2: of of course, of
1: course, yeah. It's it's like it's like a three it's, like <laughs> <bot arena laughs> it's a classic fighting. arcade game. It's though it's a, I've the heard guys. of it, I just yeah. don't know. Yeah, it. it's real weird, like how you control it because it's like with two joysticks, and you it, one is like for actually like moving up and down, to other like left and right, and it's just it's bonkers. Like it's hard to like keep up with it, like in terms of like if you're just watching someone play it, but when you actually get to play it yourself it's just it it makes sense after like the first few minutes and then you'll just be hooked yeah there's like different robot types with all different arsenals
0: and it's just it's a lot of fun yeah i I sucked at that game i died so i only like whenever i played the arcade version of virtual and i only got to like the second battle and then i constantly died in the second fight uh because yeah it's moving so fast like your robots have like these jets uh, jet like boots on that make them fly around the screen a lot quicker um and yeah, everything's moving so quickly and you're busy trying to fire and moving around behind buildings and things like that. That that came out on the Dreamcast and I remember playing a ton of it on the Dreamcast. That was... Yeah, there was... There's, a it also
1: a version of it came out on the 360, I believe, as well.
0: Yes, yes. They released, um, like all the other Dreamcast like Sega games, eventually got an Xbox Live release. Uh, speaking of which, number two, Jet Set Radio. Hell yeah. I, I, you know, get get future somewhere
1: first like that was actually like, the
0: first dreamcast game that i played yeah,
1: i think I that might it. have been
0: mine too yeah like up there at least with that in sonic adventure i think it was one of the first
1: i think before they get started you new know, i want them to get like future on like either a console or on pc first because uh, jet set radio future is so fun it is such a weird like like premise and how they kind of like futurized the mechanics and style of the
0: original jet set radio anti-establishment all all the way and that's that was the (laughs) yeah that was the cool thing is that um and, you know, the, the person who made Jet Set Radio, he's been, uh, the Jet Set series, really, he's been con- on Twitter, if you follow him, he's constantly saying, like, you know, if they just gave me some money, I'd totally make it. <laughs> like, yes, give, Sega, give him some money. Allow him to make a new Jet Set Radio, just I because, totally. you know, in this day and age, that type of game, I think, is, mu- is very much needed. I think it speaks to a lot of us, but also the style of that game, like the music, the the mood that it set, it was really fun. It's, it's, and, you know, you can really do a lot with the with the tricks nowadays, and the the size of the environment that you can be in, like how big the city could be with today's technology, yeah. I think that'd be really fun to play. It'd be insane. Yeah, I, it's I'll funny because
1: it's... Uh, one of my friends uh, like related Team Skull at the new Pokemon games to a Jet Set Radio gang. <laughs> oh, gosh, some of so those that, Team and, Skull
0: like yeah, Team Skull.
2: faces and gifs the way they like are like so
0: like unabashedly like punk. <laughs> yeah, trying, a little tryhard there. Uh, and finally, <laughs> and finally, number one, Sakura Wars. Uh, now, this yeah. is a series that's celebrating its 20th anniversary. We've only we were speaking about this off the podcast, but we've only seen two versions. Not even two versions. It's like Soul on My Love, uh, but on two different platforms, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, and that's insane to think about, considering how. As you can tell from here, it actually um, looking at the votes, it almost got twice as many votes as the number two spot. Like wow. even if you put a lot of all the votes together, um, it took up maybe about half the whole voting, uh, the amount of people that voted for it. I mean, part of it is of course that the Sega celebrating uh, that 20th anniversary. Like I said, at the festival proper, and you're seeing a bunch of games. Like I know Grand Blue, Grand Blue Fantasy had their uh, event to celebrate Sakura yeah. Wars, and you can have the characters join your squad. Um, and all these other games too are doing the same thing, but like that, you a lot of collaborations. Like, yeah, you've got a bunch of games, you got the movies, you got the show, you've got all these other like merchandise like I was looking for commercials and you see a bunch of commercials as much as like Sailor Moon does about like uh, all these things that people all this merchandise people could buy it's so insanely popular over there that it seems like a really big shame because we talk about like you know it's a shame that Falcom's games uh, back then you know a few years even going back just a few years it feel like Falcom's games weren't getting the proper respect over here and then X Seed came around and really changed the whole topic around that people are expecting Falcom games to be localized which you know that's insane to, uh for for you and me josh uh who were big fans i mean adam uh, uh learning that as well i don't know how big you are into him uh brian but um it seemed like we were really set out to dry for the most part um because I remember as a kid even playing East uh, 3 Wanderers of East uh, and thinking how cool this game was. And then we didn't see anything for another decade. <laughs> that was, well, I yeah. got kind yeah. of lucky because
3: I got into PC gaming, got a Steam account, and it wasn't too long. This was like 2009, 10. Yeah. Like, oh, you should play East Origin and East Oath in and Thalgana. I'm like, oh, these are pretty cool. Oh, and then. I just learned through osmosis of Trails in the Sky games, and um, I I didn't know of its existence even though it came out in 2004. So like I wasn't waiting for it, you know. So That's, I kind of got lucky, yeah. and like I I didn't arrive to the party until Exeed was already there, so didn't have. Well, like to. I
2: like I didn't even realize because I wasn't really big on the Falcom stuff like in the mid 2000s. But like after Wanderers Wanderers of Yeast, Yeast. They they someone on the someone on the site corrected me. <laughs> it's yeast. I know it's yeast, but I I just habitually say Yeast. <laughs> East? But like after Wanderers of East, wasn't the next game? Arkham Nathum?
0: Yes, it just, was like yes. that's why I mentioned is that it went from Super Nintendo <laughs> <to> 6 yeah <laughs> to PlayStation 2. Yeah, you had to wait to the PlayStation 2 and this was like long after the PlayStation 2 was out. This was like near PlayStation 3's release that that game came out. Like it might I think it might have been like 2005 in fact uh when it came out that in the West and it wasn't that good. Like the PlayStation version of that game isn't that great. Uh and uh oh, then you be, like, be
2: honest to be honest the PC version like it's it's it's, it's it's a good markdown from Origin and Elfen Lied, but it was think, also the it was also the first of that style, though. So it was, yeah. yeah,
0: I think Konami actually published that game on the PlayStation 2, If I'm that's not correct, mistaken. Yeah. yeah. And they uh, used like 3D models instead of the 2D art. Oh right, they and they the the marketing sucked in that game. They didn't. They made a lot of questionable decisions. I think the like acting was bad it was there were a lot of problems with that game and you know it, it makes me also think about when like, bandai namco screwed up legend of heroes <laughs> so like namco's got i mean excuse me neon falcon's got uh a lot to i mean it's uh, for people who are fans of those games we have a lot to complain about when it came to the we're talking about, about the games. Uh, psp
3: games where they got the numbering wrong
2: i've i've seen some of the uh like translations for those it's like what <laughs>
0: yeah i know michael the, the, from the gar
2: garg yeah. gar, of uh, trilogy whatever it is i don't whatever that word is
0: yeah because it's like legend of heroes um four is what legend of heroes one became or what, what became legend of heroes one here in the west uh when it came to the PSP, and then i think it was like the sequel legend of heroes 2 quote unquote uh what that was named here was it actually came out as a sequel a few months before when we got it. So it was super confusing. Worse than like Final Fantasy did, it felt like. Because that was just two games, you know, whatever. Legend Hero seems like it's the number system was way off. You can also kind of blame Falcon because they were also letting other companies make entries in that series and then later on saying, like, we don't recognize that game in the canon. <laughs> like, where they were being very strict about that, like the Dawn of East and all that stuff. That's was... one thing that I was always a little bit confused on. Like, yeah. uh,
3: I, pl- I played the PC East games and then uh, Memories of Celceta or whatever came out uh and they're like oh this is the real yeast form like wait what do you mean real like yeah, oh there's, there's these other two, two, two. <laughs> there's these other two like wait so like four one four two like no they're all four but only this one counts yeah, yeah, yeah. but the other ones uh, are there's better, there's maybe. donna it's, there's donna and then there's one other one but
2: like neither of them are are well like one of them was which one was hudson soft or something yeah
0: <laughs> just uh really weird the <laughs> i forget what that yeah was. or something
2: like that it's <laughs> confusing
0: yeah, that's that's what we had to put up with. But I just think like that series could be a Sacred Wars can be so much more popular over here if they just gave them. I, I like, think it would
1: be time. even more successful now more than ever because like visual novels have been coming out like mad here and like the 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 fan base around that has been like very supportive and loyal. You know, uh, just uh, visual novels are just stronger more than ever before
0: in the West. Yeah, I would uh, love to see that. You know, it's 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 such a such a crazy popular series over there. Like it's totally it totally needs to happen and then also bring back Sagata (laughs) Sanchiro for the hell of it and have him do the (laughs) commercials when he's like hanging out with the characters and going through like a rose petal field it's (laughs) <laughs> that was a weird thing in Project Cross Zone 2, just
1: him having the, an actual character. And, and, I, and I liked oh, how Project
2: yeah. Cross Zone 2, apparently like one of his abilities was referencing one of the commercials. Yeah, multiples yeah. of
1: oh, him. Is it, is it really Cross Zone? I've always just pronounced yeah, it as X Zone. It's,
2: yeah, it's Cross Zone. A lot of the if, Japanese if,
3: things, they put the X
2: yeah. there, and it's Cross. It, like,
1: it, like his whole move set is referencing all the like the the little moves he does in the commercials, and like there's actual an actual scene in the game where like. He dances with uh, Sakura and actually replicates like that commercial in the in the game. It's awesome. It's
0: really really good, and I think that more now more than ever we need Sakura in our lives uh, to save our <laughs> save ourselves. So that's that was Sega Festival 2016. I think it's it's still ongoing. So they only just as of this recording put up that poll, the survey results. Um, but yeah, all those games need. Uh, I think are highly deserving of that. Sega's got such an insane library that they just don't really take advantage of um, that they could really benefit, especially financially, about at least making new versions of those games like remasters or even sequels. Like They could totally benefit from that. They also showed off uh,
1: the Persona 5 OST at the Sega Festival as well.
0: Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, and, that was, and that's coming out January 17th, I think? Yes. yes. Yep. Speaking of Persona 5, uh, they also, Atlas announced recently at their Wednesday stream uh, that Persona 5 will be delayed from its original February 14th release to April the 4th. But uh, in return, uh, either it's been as a result of that or it's something that they are giving out um as a uh, make do that they announced that they're releasing the Japanese voice track uh, as free DLC at launch. So people who have choices now um, personally, I think that the English dub of Persona five seems really, really good. Um, so I've I'm heard really too... good things about Ryuji. Um, yeah.
2: Like everyone, like every person I know who watched the uh, the stream said like, wow, Ryuji's English voice is great. But like considering this is, this is a Japanese game set in Japan like it's very it's very cool that they're able to you know offer that option for people who want the Japanese. Yeah, voices, I was so.
1: super happy to. And, uh, and not only
3: that, but supposedly part of the delay is that they're going back to revoice stuff that might not even be voiced in the Japanese version. or something. Yeah, that's, so that's really it, 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 cool.
2: I was a little confused on that. Like, I think what the quote was was to re-record lines that were not originally voiced. Yeah. Like, does yeah. that mean? Does that mean it was like a partial dub, and they're making it more of a full dub? So,
1: yeah. it, let me clarify. It yeah, Josh. Knows, about... Josh knows.
0: Let Josh talk about that.
1: Yeah. yeah. Let me like so. In the the Japanese version of Persona Five is not fully voiced. There are significant portions of the game that aren't voiced. Uh, like say the cooperations or the social links in that game. Like the only real voice parts in those are the first and last event of those. So I'm hoping what the, this alludes to is that there will be more lines voiced in English for those events. There are also uh weird story bits in that that are unvoiced and like it, it there's a weird dissonance that like there there'll be a, po- a key scene that's voiced and then like a, another like follow up scene on that that isn't voiced so i think they're trying to uh like establish a more consistent you know flow of dialogue uh through that by having them uh link up voiced um that's what I, that's and, what and i that's, that's, and that and yeah. that seems
2: to be a big reason maybe for the delay cuz they need yeah, the extra time sure. for that I know they also said and some I know some people complained about this was like some of the the name pronunciation pronunciation in English was weird uh so I think I think they even said like we'll look into it like for example I think Ryuji like pronounced his last name weirdly I forget what he yeah means. it's Sak- like it's, it's, it's it, yeah it's
1: like it, it was more of like it, it wasn't really as enunciated like general, like Sakamoto it was like Sakamoto or something like that uh it's just yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess. Mean, it's all like I, that. I mean, small stuff like that. Who knows? I, I don't know how people, how picky people are over that. Like, I know people are getting antsy about the way Kitagawa was, uh, uh, pronounced. Like,
2: last
1: name. Yeah. Uh-huh, in the U.S.K. trailer, but I think it, I it sucks. Like for people who don't really care much about the Japanese voices, that they have to wait an extra two months. Um, but, but also, for people, but the, but the, like like let's let me clarify that like the reason for this delay is not the Japanese voices. You know. It's for that actual, like, re-recording dialogue in English, the adding in more voices. And it's like, the, we shouldn't be, like, doing a blame game on, like, who, who's to blame for this delay, you know? It's like, there's a net win for everyone. There's, like, Atlas USA has pretty much uh, put their foot down and say, hey, we're going to do everything we can to make this the, the definitive version of the game. We're going to make it even better than the Japanese version. When when it you comes know?
2: to things like delays and, like, the Final Fantasy delay was similar um, for Final Fantasy Fifteen. it's like, when I think about, like, if I were to like to think about what are my favorite games and like think about a list in my head, like now, I think Final Fantasy fifteen.
0: <laughs> no, like <laughs> now if I think
2: like which of my favorite games were delayed, like I have no idea. Like I don't yeah. remember. I don't care now. Like it just if Persona Five comes out and it's an excellent game, which it seems like it is. Like you know,
3: by summer we're all going to be discussing and
1: talking about our playthroughs anyway, right? Mm-hmm. And the, the, this also works out like for us because we have a very jet packed January, <laughs> February. Oh <laughs> my god! There is a high density of like rpgs are just
0: all games all around and they keep announcing them stop announcing games (laughs) for february oh my gosh i think what was the uh, recent one that was just announced like uh, don Name Co.
2: they didn't even send out like a press release for this they just basically announced this randomly oh yeah digimon next order digimon world next order that's coming out january 31st
0: yeah (laughs) oh no
1: it's another january release (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh my gosh! And so yeah, that that came about, and the theory was passed that it might have been that Sega, excuse me, um, the European version of Persona Five was set to be delayed, like they were going to announce a delay. And I'm guessing maybe Alice USA decided to take advantage of that and just said, well, we're gonna we're gonna delay our version too. That way, you know, everyone gets to experience the the adventure together, and we can take the time to uh, make those changes, like Adam was talking about. That's what I'm guessing was the reason. But I mean, that's just all kind of, us, of a lot of circumstances. It's, yeah. it's
1: also like like you know it, like additional qa on like that game script and like localization is always a good thing you know yeah. because it's such a big game
2: Absolutely. hopefully and, they like, don't have
1: any unvoiced or untranslated undubbed yeah. lines Exactly. Or but whatever I, I imagine in like the, the boss fight like uh, yeah. tensei 4 did or whatever yeah like I, I i assume that like a little small percentage of that delay is attributed to that like they want to make sure that like they don't have like any real weird errors like that ever happen again especially for a for a game like persona 5 you know
0: yeah yeah i
2: mean well I, we, gotta, we, I gotta be honest that was kind of like i i don't do qa so I, do, I don't know exactly like i don't have to speak for like, the qa
0: people the people that yeah, but it's just the,
2: like the, the, when they said like we didn't catch the uh the text in the uh boss fight of shin megami tensei for apocalypse because our testers were too good and I, I kind of felt a little bit like a silly excuse like yeah is it's, that, it was a is it was, weird, is, it was really, is that really the only way you're looking for like like untranslated text is just if you run into it and you're play you know, I just,
0: I don't know. It's, it's like kind of this weird. contrast that with Gus games, they seem like the localization process can be a little rushed because my experience with, um no was the game that had a problem with? It's Arno Surge, especially, had uh, a big problem with the localization. Uh, a lot of typos and like names that, kept changing when, when instead of saying like the same name that names would change and they would swap names and titles the names of cities would change uh and then i think atelier Atelier Shally also had that same problem um so the word going around is that t- koi tecmo tends to brush their localizations and qa process so you know all the more power to atlas especially if it's supposed to be as big They're trying to sell as many copies, if not more, than a Final Fantasy game could be. Uh, I think they should really focus on this. Even if it... uh, The Japanese DLC, um, obviously, it would really benefit from that, too. Right. Well, now they've got the precedent for... Oh, go ahead, Adam.
2: Well, some other things they... One other thing they announced during their little live stream was that they expect all the Japanese DLC for Persona 5 to be available for the English version. So, any of the... I, I, one that I saw that I'm interested in are like costumes for like the Devil Summoner Raidu games, um, yeah, like, the Ryo character costume costumes. costumes, and you know there's a bunch of you know crossover stuff like that. So they said they expect all the DLC to make it. So
3: here's the hoping, but
2: that's
1: not a big make or break, you know. Those are like those are just yeah. the
3: cherry on top. Right. Yeah, and I was just gonna say that now with this, they've got the precedent that Atlas Games
1: going forward have the expectation for dual audio. I hope so because I like I, it, Atlas has been weird. Atlas USA has been weird about this. Like they kind of made they obviously had Otis here and Lifeless here as dual audio, but that's because the PS2 version had that. But they've always been kind of flip-flop between either, it's either English only or Japanese only. Like I know their Tears to Tiara release was Japanese only. But of course, there's countless uh, you know localizations that they've done that only had English audio only. So, like and we talked, we talked about, about this before, one of the weird ones was like when they did Conception Two, it was English yes. only, but then the PC release had dual audio. So I don't know.
2: And also like, like we we were actually talking before how like now that they've communicated with Atlas JP, like hey, this is something that some people do want. Maybe when Atlas Japan, which I, I know obviously Atlas Japan is gonna be more focused on their market. Um, but like, hey, if you can do these couple of things when you're doing your voiceover contracts or whatever to help us out, then maybe going forward for newer games, that's something that will make things easier rather than the Herculean effort. Quote, I, I, hope so. I heard like a,
1: the actual like the Atlas like the whole Atlas Japan CEO was actually on stream. I think he was the CEO. I don't, I don't know. I thought it was the Atlas USA CEO, but I might be wrong. Uh, someone uh, higher up yeah. was uh, was on that stream. I, didn't, I I didn't actually watch the stream myself, so. Any of you out there, though, can clarify. (laughs) But uh, I I just hope that, like, this is definitely taking a step forward and uh, sticking to it and hopefully going forward that, you know, they'll they'll definitely try to push for more dual audio and options are uh, good. Options are definitely good. It doesn't hurt anyone.
0: You know? Yeah, the only downside of it is that, you know, we were going to make that joke that when Persona 5 came out, it'd be the last game that's been in development, what it seems like forever, and now we have to wait a few more months, uh, but <laughs> that's the, that's the, and it was already hard enough waiting after the Japanese release for Persona 5, now we have to wait a couple more months, but, you know, that's that's game development, and it seems like everyone from the general consensus that i can see on twitter there are a lot of happy people that they're getting japanese dlc and i think that that if it was just a delay and they did not announce the japanese dlc is coming um you'd see a, obviously a lot way more upset people about that stuff so it, it's, it's it's also
1: cool. because it's also because like i'm not like i said the english voices are uh, have been very good so far from what i've yeah. heard but the but the japanese voice cast for that game is just the things that they do to that shape and how they ma- manipulate it with their voices, it's so, like, it's amazing. Like, it, they're, they're big-name actors, uh, Japanese voice actors that you've heard, you know, like in anime and whatnot in other games. But, like, their performances is, like, it's just a weird step above. Like, you know that they they really went for it in this. It's pretty incredible. So It's kind I mean, of
3: uh, in contrast to the, the localization where these guys, I won't say they're newbies, but they're kind of, they're not the... They're not the names that everyone expects or knows, but they're kind of like up and coming names that have kind of like, like the voice actor for Ryuji, like you mentioned, are, um, isn't one of the voices the, uh, Pokemon Smash announcer? Not Pokemon
0: Smash. You know, Smash it's, cool, it's like a bunch of Cold Steel people too. <laughs> like, that's what I right. got too. But, so yeah, they're like up and coming people that yeah.
3: people have actually come, are starting to get to know about, uh, so I think that's interesting that they're going with like these not newcomers but fresh faces. Fresh faces. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, and I yep. think
1: that, that there's definitely a like uh, there's something very valuable about that because these are like this are their their, their career defining moment in some sense because there's actually like a lot of eyes are on this thing that they're working on. It's, well, not, it's, it's nice like, that they're it, not. It, it's it's like it's it's still kind of relatively niche in the whole grand picture, but in in, in the R, in the world of RPGs this is de- definitely one of the ones i mean
2: compare at. like when persona 4 was coming out i heard some like murmuring for it but like i wasn't i like i knew what it was i knew it was like a japanese rpg set in modern japan but i didn't really know much about it and now like compare that to persona 5 it's like hugely different mm-hmm. the most like, just, uh, accessible
0: right. uh, in the series it <laughs> seems like um yeah and so persona 5 set to be released on april 4th in both america and europe uh, just, they also updated like thing. the steel book and stuff like that too. What? Just a sorry. silly
2: thing. I remember when Persona Four because that was the first Persona game I had heard of. Like I had heard of Shimagami Tensei, but like I was not very familiar with it. I remember when someone told me that Persona Four was set in Japan. My original like imagination was like feudal Japan for some reason. Oh man! Like
1: there was a weird period like at like I remember like early PS2 and like when someone said to me, I. I uh when a game was set in japan that's exactly like the the imagery that came up in my mind too
0: (laughs) i mean uh, my experience is like
2: most most japanese RPGs, like especially around like the mid-2000s were fantasy based so you kind of don't think modern japan
1: (laughs) and you also have like
0: those like we have the samurai you know yeah. that was We're a, a damn good that. games by the way Where the yeah. semi was semi- <laughs> uh, my experience was like seeing my brother play the original persona on the playstation and getting super into it like how cool that game looked with the first person going through the schools and stuff like that it was so much fun so uh yeah. Uh that's that's I I don't blame you for having that thought run through your head. <laughs> um speaking of localizations though, Nice America made some waves this week, uh, making four big announcements of speaking uh, of Japanese imagery. <laughs> uh, big yeah. games, I guess, is probably a little too much for this. But um first they announced that Clouden returns, Cloudun returns. This is Sengoku, uh it's coming for Playstation Four, Vita and Steam uh 8 but dungeon crawling action RPG is what it's quoted here, but it's coming this spring. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't it like um a game that came out that was supposed to be similar to that? Uh that uh, came out well, on the like PlayStation 3. Well this is the so I've uh, Legas- never, oh, Legas- never played these games. That was it. Yeah oh. sorry, go
2: ahead I've never played these games but like this is the third CLADUN game and pladon I learned is basically like a short form acronym, not acronym, but short for classic dungeon is what it means. Yes. Um, and so like the first game was a PSP game that Nisa localized. The second game was like PSP and was brought to PC a couple, several years ago now. Um, so this is the third game. But yeah, I guess it's kind of like a, a dungeon crawler action RPG with the 8-bit style. Um, kind of like, I don't know who developed it. I don't know if it's Nippon Ichi Eternal or one of those like smaller Japanese studios. Um, yeah, kind of like the indie feel type and it's i know they they the uh they advertise like 99 floors and so it's kind of it seems like it has like this random dungeon type
0: type structure so it's not really like story game or anything like that no i mean my experience was playing uh, i mentioned earlier Lego Sister on the PlayStation 3 that's basically Cladon um people who are interested in that game maybe have seen that before but yeah you said Cloudun uh X2 i think is the one that came out on PC so yeah.
1: Did Legacy Sister ever get localized?
0: Legacy Sister? Yeah, I reviewed it. That was one of the okay. earliest reviews I did. Uh actually maybe not not the earliest. I've been around for like a decade on the site, but um that was like 4 or 5 years ago. Uh okay. and I'm the thing I remember most is the opening song for that game. It was really good. It was uh, one of my <laughs> favorite opening songs to an uh to That, an that RPG. that's a
2: great that's a great uh way to sell your game it was better than the game actually the song was better than opening. the game <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah that's the thing i remember most because the game uh was super challenging actually uh just for transparency reasons i actually didn't beat that game before i reviewed it because <laughs> the thing about what happens to at the end level is that you have four boss fights that you have to uh face off against and this game is already like super hard enough but if you don't end up beating those bosses within a set amount of time they run away and then the final vice, it, boss is the final boss plus any of the henchmen. So it was oh shit, it was super hard. <laughs> and pretty I, cool. It you was so challenging. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I already know what this game's like. I don't need to beat this to understand what my feelings are. So that that was. <laughs> it's not, you know. that sounds like a great thing on paper, but it sounds like fucking infuriating if you're not oh. prepared in action. It was so hard, yeah, and even when I was, like, leveled up, it didn't matter. That game can be super challenging, but that's kind of like, you know, classic dungeon games, you know, dungeon crawlers. They used to be very challenging as well, so that's kind of what I expected, and that's what I got. They also announced A Rose in the Twilight, which is not an RPG, more like a puzzler platformer. It's also coming for Vita and Steam. Um, But uh, I don't know if you saw the trailer for this, Adam, because I know you, you were... Posting I watched a part thing.
2: of it because I, I I saw some of the trailer stuff because I saw them announce this and I hadn't I, I literally hadn't heard of this game. It looks like it's in the same vein as uh, the Firefly Diary and the uh, Yomawari.
0: Maybe. Uh, I mean, it's got a similar style, but it's it's more puzzle based in that. So the whole concept, um, excuse me, the whole like synopsis of the story, it's it's supposed to be like you're this uh, this girl uh, that is inside of a castle that is completely devoid of color so uh what happens is that after a while she meets like this uh this crazy looking huge giant uh robot i don't know what exactly it is it seems like actually it's made out of stone perhaps um so you're supposed to try to find a way to escape that but uh rose i think is the name of the girl that you meet uh she Uses uh, her power to like she sucks the blood out of living things and move it to like uh, inanimate objects like uh, to help solve all these puzzles. And so uh, the giant that giant stone thing that is with her does all the heavy lifting, does all the fighting for. It's got I think it's got a uh, cool looking style, like it's got that super anime like very expressive faces uh, that I tend to like. So. That
1: is a weird partner thing. Like when you said robot, I went to go uh, search for the image. And, uh, <laughs> it's so, not quite. It's more like a stone and I giant it And it. Like, yeah. It looks like a weird, like polished stone snail thing. I no, don't it's know.
0: it's it's not okay. That's <laughs> you're probably looking at the first image. That thing actually walks around, and that's like its arms. So it's like it uses oh, those long things. Or it's 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 its arms, so it can pick up things okay. and throw them away. It's it's a little bit different than that. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. But they I still also, it was a robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, so it's it's got the same type of design you're talking about, Adam, about like Yomirori and uh, Firefly Diary, but um, it's not an RPG at all, which I guess puts it more like Firefly Diary. I don't know if it's like from the same people, um, the same artists and whatnot. But they also announced like there was a limited edition that's going to be released. And one of the weird things about that limited edition is that it comes with a five inch giant stress ball, <laughs> which I, what? I don't know if it's that. It just means you're going to be dealing with a lot of stress in that game. So you might as well have something to squeeze. But I don't know. It was weird. All right. Uh, and it's only going to be 20 bucks, just like Firefly Diary and Yomorari. So that's that's a good sell, I think, um, from what it looks like. They also announced Operation Babel New Tokyo Legacy. um, uh, which is the sequel to Operation Abyss that came out last year. They're going to be releasing the sequel on Vita and Steam this spring as well. So all these games are coming out this spring. Let's just be upfront about that. Uh, they also announced Operation Abyss uh, will be coming to Steam in 2017. Uh, Adam, you're the one who reviewed Operation Abyss. So does it seem like a good move, you think?
2: <laughs> well, um, I mean, so basically, without getting too much details, Operation So so this, this is an experienced dungeon crawler. They... They've localized several games now. They did uh, Demon Gaze and then uh, the Operation Abyss, Stranger of Sword City, Rage Gigant. Um, but the experience started out as, a, as like a Japanese indie. And what Operation Abyss actually is, it's basically like one of their very first indie games, Dungeon Crawlers, kind of like they added like a modern more more modern Jap- like anime-type art to it. Operation Abyss was actually like two different indie games like merged together, and this is like the continuation of it. And from what I understand, it's not like a direct sequel where you kind of have to play Operation Abyss first, but it is a sequel. Um, so it kind of makes sense that they would release it because uh, the story isn't over yet. Although it wasn't really like over unfinished or anything. <laughs> it wasn't
0: like
2: it wasn't like unfinished or anything. But like you, like it, it's got the same characters and all that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll play it. I'm interested. I liked Operation Abyss. It was kind of really. It was you could tell it was like a an upscaled or a up, like kind of like a revamped indie like game you could tell it wasn't like the the interface wasn't very intuitive it was kind of clunky um but i like the dutton and crawling and the the class systems and things like that uh
0: yeah so we'll it took
2: a while to announce it because operation Babel released in japan in 2015 like early 2015 so you know a year and a half ago um so and i was yeah. wondering you know i just kind of assumed maybe they were done like they wouldn't localize it but now that they got it on Steam, it'll be maybe worth uh, doing. So,
0: yeah, I know Experience has another game coming out, so I guess they're still trying to like pump up the library with all the localizations. Maybe that was a cheap get for them, so they figured, hey, why not? Um, and finally, they announced Danganronpa: Another Episode Ultra Despair Girls is coming to PlayStation Four this spring. And actually, no, it uh, for PlayStation Four and Steam is actually coming next summer. This says spring; it's actually next summer. Um twenty seventeen. So now with Dongin Roper one and two coming to the PlayStation four this spring, um and with another episode coming out this summer, it seems like, you know, all the Dongen Ropa games are gonna be on those two platforms. So, which basically, is great.
2: so basically you can play all the Dongen Ropa games on PC eventually, PS four or Vita. So
0: yes. I think you're big. that is great. Except I think what, that's also what's,
2: awesome. what's the new the new one is PS four
0: Vita? Yeah uh, new V three or yeah. whatever they're calling it. New D- yeah okay. new dark room up a V three yeah it's PlayStation four and P- and Vita I think is that it one seemed- that that no, one has been- it I'm sorry I think so I think it might be just PS three and PS four or something like that I don't think it's I think, it's I think, I think it PS- might not be coming for PlayStation Vita no you're right yeah it's PlayStation four and Vita I'm sorry okay all right
2: now I think that one has not officially been announced. No. For localization yet, although obviously all. it's basically a foregone conclusion. But yeah. I wonder <laughs> something like that. Maybe maybe they're at the point now for when they do announce it for localization, they'll announce the PC a PC version simultaneously. That
0: might be what they're working on, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's kind I that's kinda yeah, it's weird when you think about, it, about it, it that it's not, it hasn't been announced. Um Nice America hasn't. I mean Idea Factory had their press event and they didn't announce Cyber Dimension, Neptunia. Uh, Neptune uh, for the West either so you know like these weird holdouts that it's going to be inevitably released over here regardless but those were the four big announcements that News America made we won't really hear much more from them until February for the next uh, press event that they hold each year uh, well we might as well f- hear about it then that makes more sense maybe uh new Dungeon Rubber V3 will be out this fall so we'll have something in the spring and summer to kind of tide us over until then. And then moving on for the other news that we've also got. Uh, This was just recently reported by Eurogamer, but it sounds like Pokemon Sun and Moon, uh, there's going to be a console version coming to the Switch sometime in 2017. Eurogamer is citing multiple sources about this, and they're calling it Pokemon Stars. It's being developed by Game Freak, of course, the people that made the other Pokemon games. Um, And then it says that in february there's gonna let's give me uh oh okay yeah it says according to Eurogamer the february uh reveal teaser for the two games features a split second shot of the hd in-game model of new bird pokemon pika pack which is apparently for the switch edition so the switch version is going to have like exclusive pokemon that people will be able to now, capture
2: pika pack is uh or that that pokemon is in the 3ds version just
0: to mention but oh oh so it's an hd version of that so it's just an yeah, hd it, model it looks like it, it looks yeah. like
2: a model that does not exist in the 3ds version type of thing pardon, pardon me
0: apparently you haven't played the pokemon games in a long time but yeah <laughs> but to be um, honest
3: this is kind of what i'm most excited for the switch for in general like this would be the first quote-unquote mainline pokemon game on a yeah. console wait you, like, you, you don't you don't count gale of darkness you don't count I've, I, <laughs> I i haven't i've I haven't played. I've watched playthroughs of, like, Pokemon Colosseum and Gale Darkness, and they seem like quality games, but they're just, they kind of are doing their own thing. Where yeah. Sun and Moon are obviously kind of pro- They're they're I guess they're also, in a way, doing their own thing, but they are well, a yeah, mainline, it's pro-
0: yeah. Sorry, normal
3: progression Pokemon game, and now it's going to have a console version, seemingly. Yeah, if
1: true, this would be, like, an amazing, gigantic step and much. then you think if you <laughs> like ex- one of the biggest you... steps in the pokemon series right. to be honest
3: and then you extrapolate from there about other games that have had some weird like console handheld splits you think like fire emblem i guess the next fire emblem game on the switch will also be a console game where you haven't seen that since radiant dawn or the next animal crossing it's kind of had like a weird
0: yeah. different life
3: on on both it's had its console iterations oh. and it's handheld
0: and mobile, <laughs> and mobile for both I know, those I know, games I know, I, know, I, know, yeah.
2: I know the pokemon sun or the pokemon sun and moon thing like when when the switch was first announced or even rumored to be a hybrid um pokemon was one of the ones that people were just like what if pokemon's on switch finally type of thing because you know obviously if that's going to be the replacement for the 3ds which right now they say it's not but you know <laughs> yeah speaking uh, of which uh, just to wrap up this
0: it. oh sorry, go ahead. yeah you kind of well, like it, yeah. I, I know
2: like for example like um, monster hunter stories uh, this is pure speculation, but I know some of like the screenshots they've released for Monster Hunter Stories, especially early on, were like 720p and it's a 3DS game. And it's like, huh, yeah,
0: <laughs> they have some no.
2: really high quality models for this game or, you know, rendered high at high resolution. Like, I wonder. So, yeah. I, yeah, if any
1: of these are true, like, I think this, like, this is one of the most alluring aspects of the Switch of just like one platform that serves all of Nintendo's IPs in high definition.
0: That's the that's, that's the kind of the challenging thing the about that as well. Um, I mean, you can you can see about the 720 pre screenshots for Monster Stories. I mean, these games are made on PC, so they could just be able to pump those things out. But um, I just want to wrap up the end of the story about about this is that it's talking about how uh, Pokemon for the Switch was still in development alongside Pokemon Sun and Moon, but um, they had to pause development on the Switch version so that they could focus on finishing up on the 3DS release. Um, And it says, the Switch version will reportedly feature the same map, routes, cities, and art style of the 3DS versions, just with higher higher resolution assets. And that it was originally planned for a summer release, but it seems like it's going to be pushed back to the fall. So that's kind of what we're experiencing. But I mean, I would say to kind of go against what you guys were talking about, it's that, you know, Pokemon... Deserved the way the Pokemon was made deserved to be on the 3ds and the handhelds because that's their moneymaker. You know they were making so much money on that that they just they would not make anywhere near as much if they released it for the consoles. So that wouldn't make any sense. But clearly, if they're trying to make the switch into you know their next big thing and uh, pull the company out of you know their trouble area that they are in now, it makes a lot of sense because otherwise, if they don't release it, woo there's no like who who's this for like who's the switch for because like you know kids will might want to stick with their 3ds and their 2ds because they can take it wherever they go um you know hardcore first party fans of course will buy the thing but then other than that it's like a lot of other people will just be happy with their playstation 4 and xbox so or pc of course so uh it's they need to give us reasons why people would want this thing in the first place and pokemon is a good place to start does it make sense for
1: Nintendo to eventually get to a point where since we don't see a 3DS quote-unquote successor anywhere near right now, um, does it make sense for them to just continue this trend after the Switch is released to make the 3DS versions first and then a Switch version
0: after, like a few months after? No, I don't think so because otherwise people would do the same thing where they're not going to buy it on the 3DS if they can just buy it on the Switch or if they're, or they'll just be, you know, that thing but, about like a, you know the, if, if you if feasibility... split it, it's that you're also experiencing maybe a lesser version on the 3ds compared to the Switch, you know? Because well, I, I wonder
2: if I wonder if like for Pokemon on Switch, like it's not gonna it, it might not be Pokemon Sun Moon, it might be like Pokemon I don't know Stars Star Pokemon well, Stars Star is what, is what they, they said it. Yeah, but it's the same version. Like, it's so, supposed to be the but same But like, game. what if? like yeah. uh, there might be like a connectivity thing there you know exclusives to like maybe there'll be some things in the 3ds version that they won't bring over like ex- i don't know if there'll be exclusive pokemon but then
0: you know. get to the whole thing about you know the splitting development resources and huh? time uh when they could just be focusing on the switch version you know that's that's also the problem that they could be facing but who knows i just
2: i i think like some people that may not mind double dipping like if they always like if they do, oh, like, I know 3DS, there's definitely people who love do, double if, dipping. Yeah. If they do 3ds first and then and then switch later, and that becomes like a a habit, some people may not mind it. But then you know inevitably some people are going to be like, well, this new like let's just say they announce a new Fire Emblem game for 3ds. Like, what if I wait just a bit and see, you know, what happens? Like if they come if they come out with like a Switch version or yeah, that was Animal I, Crossing yeah. or whatever. I guess the solid
1: release really depends like if it, like if the Switch is actually a feasible hat. I- a handheld device on the go if like the battery life will support that because there'll always be like the 3ds version like if there are 3ds versions of like these switch things like there's all there's always gonna be a market for that especially in japan because handheld on the go is the big market in japan in terms of gaming
0: i guess like the only example i can think of right now off the top of my head is uh that's announced like the 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 switch and for the handhelds it's uh dragon quest 11 because that's going to be out on both platforms, so we're going to like oh, actively yeah. see yeah. the difference in quality and, and yeah. power behind it. They also have like those two
1: modes on the handheld version of Dragon Quest XI. Yeah, so, and the Switch
3: yeah. screen is exactly as large as the Wii U pad, right? Six point two yep. inches. No. Yeah, so, yeah. So it's, so it's not;
0: it's still yeah. portable. In the case of you could put it in a backpack or whatever, but it's not <laughs> a DS in your pocket. I mean, I guess you can make the argument that like people kids. Bring tablets around wherever they go and that's bigger right. obviously uh but other than that it's like having a 3ds in your pocket it's not the same i will as miss a switch like i wasn't
3: i like the dual screen i wasn't in love with it and didn't hate it it was good it was nice but i will miss the the clamshell just to know that it's protected and i can put it in my yeah. pocket uh, just, you can put you know, the third party
0: accessories
3: people trying to sell to you covers
0: yeah. <laughs> it's okay no, you can make
1: that what, and switch a clamshell
3: yeah. You don't don't have to don't have to worry about what oh is it in a pocket with something that could scratch it or is it in a certain is it in a certain fold of my backpack that something else is going to rub against it you kind of
0: wonder like but yeah I'm sure I'm sure Horry or whoever will make covers for it or things like right. that so I just like yeah Gorilla Glass on it or something like that uh, you said clamshell the first thing I thought of was like the Switch the tablet having a clamshell like a big <laughs> like lid that you have to turn over and that kids will be breaking the hinges, I, hinges anyway I I so who
2: cares a long time ago before the before the game boy advance sp came out people made like clamshell lids for the original GBA.
1: that's right <laughs> i remember those they look so tacky and
2: some of them had like lights because the original yeah. GBA
1: didn't have a backlight so they had oh, like, it open, it had, like glass, oh yeah i used to have like, like those the... little things like on the on the GBA, like like you, you put over it on the side and then like it had the little light that shined on it it, it was like, was like so a really chunky weight on the end. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. It was so it was chunky.
0: It took up so much like I remember carrying one of those in my pocket and it just took up so much space in my pocket cuz it was so bulky, <laughs> it was so bad <laughs> and heavy too. I remember that. It like weighed me down. I had to wear a, I had to wear belts because it just it was so heavy on my on my waist. It was weird so that's uh, so that's it Um, now it's the big uh, rumor and it sounds like like Brian was talking about we might see more of those types of games like with Fire Emblem and with Animal Crossing I'd love a new Animal Crossing on consoles I skipped out on the handheld version so I would love to come back to play that. And you. once again, you know the power of the newer console, being able to do more with it. Because I just, I have a hard time with the 3DS. I, it feels underpowered. It feels like the, the UI seems really bad. I don't know. That's just my own feelings. The games are great. I just don't like the 3DS as a console. Um, But that's just my own personal taste. And then finally, in our piece of news, there's an announcement that xbox one the backwards compatible titles are coming to retail shelves if they haven't already, so like what they're showing one of those shots was like Fallout three on the label that's across the top strip you know uh it would show xbox three sixty and an Xbox one logo showing you can play on either console kind of like a blu ray <laughs> like when you can you can play like d v d on a on a blu ray player uh they're showing both labels on there, so I think that's a really smart idea, and it sounds I like, like it you know yeah. Like, when I was yeah, buying some, I haven't done all my
3: Christmas shopping yet, but when I buy gifts for, like, my younger brothers or whatever, usually I'll try to throw in, like, oh, you still got your your Xbox 360 hooked up, right? I'm going to give you Witcher 2, because they were interested in 3, and I was like, well, maybe you're interested in 2. Nah, maybe I if I <laughs> if, they're, if they're interested in, like, Fallout 3, I can say, hey, this is, you can play this on your new Xbox. Uh, you know, obviously, as a nice Christmas gift giver, you want to give them something that's new and shiny, but at the same time, you can say, hey, I enjoyed this from five six years ago maybe you will too sort of thing and i think it's really really neat practice
0: and you wonder if it means like games that were not released um had a digital release like lost odyssey will have a physical retail release on 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 that because you obviously need to have the disc in the system in order to play those backwards compatible titles and so i think those specific those specific games are the ones that are worth it because otherwise you know it's not that hard to get an Xbox 260 copy of Fallout 3. There are millions of them. <laughs> really cheap versions of that, but Lost Odyssey, you know, it's the when they announced backwards compatibility, the price of that went up. Kind of like when they announced NieR Automata and the price of NieR the original, uh the oh, the, the yep. retail oh, the resale price went way up. Yeah, that was that's like we were keeping an good eye thing on that adam,
3: good thing adam grabs skies of arcadia before they announced arcadia 2
0: huh yeah <laughs> <laughs> Skies of arcadia legends yeah before that happens and then the price of that goes up too but i think this is yeah this is a perfect thing for them um and you know other than the fact that it's a really good at a revenue uh system for them a revenue source for them um I think that's that's just perfect. Yeah. And, I, and just having physical copies of games, it just feels good to have that on your shelf, <laughs> even if it's old. Yeah. It, it just feels fresh again. You know, let's do yeah. old again. I What's hope.
1: Old is again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you were mentioned about jet set radio future earlier. It's that, you know, one thing that people were hoping that they said, they were going to make like a big announcement for their one year anniversary. I think that might've just been skate three, which is a real bummer. I thought that we were thinking, you know, they would announce Xbox original Xbox backwards compatibility and I... I still have my copies of Atogi 1 and 2 just sitting on my shelf <laughs> because I would love that and Phantom Dust, although Phantom Dust, of course, is getting that remaster next year. But I want to be able to use those games. Like, it, it feels so bad. Yeah, is that them Phantom Dust, Dust thing
3: still alive? I know it had some yeah. controversy
0: on its developer. Oh, no. This is, you, I don't know if you remember this. Is that it's not the remake, it's that it's actually just a remaster. They announced uh, that at the YouTube gaming show during E3 that, yeah, they're uh, just remastering the original version with online play as well. And that's going to be coming out on the Xbox One sometime. I thought it was supposed to be sometime soon, but you know they haven't talked about it since. So sometime next year, though. Yeah. I wonder that, <laughs> if that'll turn into an Xbox Anywhere title. That'd be awesome. I think it was announced for that. Yeah, really? I'm pretty so, sure it was yeah. for both. Yeah, they, they they said that. I I don't know if it was like a special thing they did with it, but I'm pretty confident it was announced as an Xbox One Anywhere, uh, Everywhere program uh, title. So, and then finally. That's, that's it for news, by the way. Finally, we'd like to just mention uh, the upcoming releases for... This is like uh, as of the week of November 20th. So what we've got, um, a weird release announcement. Bandai Namco moved up the release date of Dragon Ball Fusions from December to November 22nd. That so was it, so it,
1: weird. It's like it was a mid-December title.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And... And once again, this is like the type of thing they didn't even like release a press release for. They just kind of on Twitter just like, "Hey, by the way, this is coming out like next week." Yeah, Wait, uh,
0: really? <laughs> way, <laughs> like, okay. It's. Dragon I think Ball it's a Fugia bad like, idea. Uh, Sorry, go ahead.
1: Uh, Dragon Ball is like the the strategy RPG one for 3DS or turn based. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's all about fusions. So you can combine all the different characters into each other to create new ones. Uh, but the actual
1: gameplay, like, yeah, I, I'm pretty
0: it, sure it's like a turn based RPG. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it pretty much is. Um it seems like it's just being sent out to die though because uh, originally in December it was kind of by itself because it came out like a week after Last Guardian, so it's like enough space kind of uh considering how packed the October was and November is a little bit lighter but still has some big titles cuz you're putting it in between, you know, all these games that came out. Uh, this past week, and then you got Fauna Fantasy 15 next week, so a week from Tuesday, I should say. But that's that's kind of insane that they would do that. Um, it's it's also weird, like I releasing
1: uh, games like on the on the week of Thanksgiving, because a lot of people are kind of just saving up money for Black Friday. Yeah, you know they're not really turning to new releases for that week. They want to uh, get the deals.
0: Yeah, because like the only other game that is going to be released in the West anyway is Dark Status War Mastered. <laughs> 'Cause Darksiders two That's was already right. released, but yeah, Darksiders original War War mastered. mastered. I love Dark Darksiders and I would love to I see really a new like one of those, speaking of which, but yeah. I I uh, like the first one more than the second one. I kinda like two oh, more than the first one just because I really liked the the characters and the crazy like seeing numbers pop up of uh, pop up of enemies was pretty cool. I think that was and it was a big loop loop based game kind of thing. But yeah, one was uh felt yeah, I guess more authentic, more interesting, more, more inspired. Yeah 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 and um i forget who was like the voice of the, ca- who, of the
3: oh, sorry i was uh, i think it wasn't the voice liam o'brien or am i getting yes I male voice actor so up? that's exactly what but i was yeah, gonna um, ask yeah who owns the ip now is it relic no it's nordic, nordic i think nordic
0: right? oh, okay. was, it, <laughs> was it was it nordic or was they it were... uh, Deep Silver? I forget.
2: I think it was Nordic uh, Games and then like yeah, it is. Nordic Games like acquired a bunch of THQ's uh uh like properties and then they like actually like renamed themselves like THQ Nordic Yeah, kind of. they're,
0: yeah, they're, they're, yeah. Like it has a logo THU <laughs> on there. It's Nordic THQ and they said eventually they're gonna just completely change to THQ because I mean it makes sense because People recognize the name THQ way more than Nordic, so it's uh it's perfect for them to take advantage of that. Uh, that it's label. just kind of
2: funny to realize like this is not the same company. They're just like literally like taking their name, kind of. <laughs>
0: it's funny. Yeah, hopefully... gonna be like another. It's gonna be like another Harvest Moon situation where it's like oh, you shit. have to remind them yeah. every single time. This is it's not Story of Seasons. It's Harvest Moon. Okay, it's totally yeah. different. Like I, I hope that people don't have to keep clarifying every single time that this isn't the original THQ. This is a new one i, yeah, I would I, love I, it.
1: it i would love it if they made a new darksiders <laughs> and it like had like a weird like spin-off name like how Moon became like story of seasons like what yeah, darksiders Siders would ciders dark evil stompers but i'm just
3: glad that they they acquired the ip and they it's just a re-release i know but that it, it lives in some form i think that's nice it's it's not dead and lost it's not you
0: know gone forever so maybe i'm not gonna i'm not hopeful for a sequel i'm sure they're
1: definitely using these to like gauge interest you know?
0: right it's funny because like today we're celebrating the 10th anniversary of uh legend of zelda twilight princess and i remember when darksiders came out they said that this is the best zelda game in years <laughs> so it was like a, it was like it was like a shade against that and of skyward sword you know i mean i know I a think lot of skyward people really sword came out after like... but still yeah i know a
3: lot of people really didn't like the darksiders um art style the aesthetic and i will That's say awesome. that I, I do think that maybe the main character war is over designed but I, I i think excluding that the gameplay itself I, I really like how it looks and i'm excited to see what yeah. war
0: master looks I like i really
1: like the level design of the, the first right. uh, that too.
0: Totally. the characters uh, i think that everything about that the writing was really good too yeah the dungeon mm-hmm. design uh, and finally, uh, one last release, Josh. You can you can mention this one. You've been talking okay, about this so. game so damn much. So,
1: <laughs> so uh, yeah, next week uh, we'll have the Japanese and English version of SD Gundam G Generation Genesis out. It won't be out in North America and Europe. It'll be out in Japan and Asian territories like Singapore. Um, fuck, what those other th- Malaysia, I think. <laughs> no, uh, say
0: that three times fast. Gundam G. Yeah, Genesis. so that, that, that'll <laughs> be that'll fun be We make fun of this every crap. time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's in... Yeah. and. and do you think it's going to have the same quality translation as uh, as your other game did? Oh, I don't know.
1: Like I, like the more I play it through Gunner Breaker 3, the tra- the translation quality like on the surface Gunner Breaker 3 has like decent translation quality, but then you'd lo- you look at the descriptions of like abilities and then like, even uh, one of the DLC items that came out, like there each and every single one, there's usually uh, a series name uh, associated with each item, from which uh, the, their source, source material where they came from. Some of them don't have it in the in the Japanese version for this DLC item. It has nothing on there, but in the English version, it just says dummy text under that field. Oh, so, <laughs> it actually
0: okay. says dummy text. It does <laughs> says dummy text. So we were I talking know. about <laughs> Atlas and Shin Megami Tensei Four Apocalypse, you know. So it's like they're too good. <laughs> that's that's the problem for them. <laughs> Obviously,
1: but uh, who knows? It's uh, I, I i can only hope that it's better but Who knows? so
0: all those games are going to be out this tuesday uh november 22nd so be checking those out I've uh, we've got some i mean the next podcast and the one following that's going to be way crazier but we'll see what happens so let's wrap things up uh and will let you guys know where you can find us we are at rpgsite.net you can find us at twitter at Site. Uh, You can find us on youtube.com slash RPG site net. You can find uh, some cool videos we just posted of uh, first was my mother three playthrough I did for extra life. So that's up. But also um, Brian's playthrough uh, of a few hours of tyranny and then our Xenosaga playthrough me and Andrea's uh, uh, let's play. That's been kind of off and on (laughs) the past few weeks. Uh, We have the third part up from our stream that we just did yesterday. So be sure to check that out um after that you can find us on facebook.com i can't talk anymore facebook.com slash rpg site net and also when you want to subscribe to us you can find us on itunes or your favorite android app uh, or google play service Uh, tetracast just search for that you can find us on there we also like to mention you can find us on discord discord.me slash rpg site is the permanent url that you can check us out it's just a big chat room a bunch of people that love rpgs and other things like anime and music and just talking politics all kinds of stuff join that very nice people in there Uh, i'm sure you'll find someone to enjoy and then someone added this at the end of it uh we'd like to mention our twitter handles whoever put that can say their name first then Hi, I am Josh. You can follow
1: <laughs> me at Twitter at HDKiren, HDKIRIN, H D K I R I N. He
0: likes to bump up his follower count. Uh, Adam, <laughs> where can they find you? K I N G underscore S E D A. Yes. And Brian, uh, for your first time doing this, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, Zeo Levine. It's
3: Z E O L E V Y N E. Great. So and... I, I have a picture of a balloon rapide. From yes. Tales of Asteria. so That's right.
0: Hiding. Actually, I, I I had to like zoom in because I couldn't tell what the hell that your, your Twitter picture was. I, it was okay. an
3: attachment item on Tales of Zysteria and I just got overboard and attached it to all like six party members.
0: <laughs>
2: <And just, laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> like that does. Smug look on his face. Like, <laughs>
0: perfect that's i would do the same if i saw a funny picture like that uh and then finally for me you can find me um i did actually introduce myself at the beginning of this podcast uh but i'm Reese, the host but uh you can find me at twitter at z-a-c-k-r-e-e-e-s-e two e's in the middle there so you can find us all on twitter that way we're very active as you can probably of tell of course we have a lot of opinions everyone
1: have a happy thanksgiving yes um, have a happy thanksgiving uh, spend your uh have a great time with your cherished ones, your loved ones.
0: Stay safe and eat a lot of food. Yes. Uh, quick, before we go, pecan pie or pumpkin pie? What do you guys? What, what, mm. what side do you take? Pecan pie. Pecan pie for sure. Mm-hmm. Pecan. Everyone, pecan pie. Yeah. <laughs> see, Adam doesn't seem very convinced. <laughs> Adam, <but>. Adam <laughs> think, <laughs> yeah. All pie is good. <laughs> there you go. Oh, okay. Well, you, do you, wanna, want you, you don't want to offend pie. anybody out there listening to this. You want to just say all pie is good. I see. You want to be all inclusive. I understand. Great. Well, thanks a lot, everyone, for watching this edition of the TetraCast. Catch us next time.